0: Hey Mic check, mic check Okay, okay This is episode two, y'all heard? Of the, of the, of the Bold Barrio Podcast What's good? Yo, my name is Larry Alexander I'm with my boy Jeff Rumaka My guy Andy Q And Lord Heidi yes. oh. Y'all heard, y'all heard, y'all heard Y'all heard Hey, hey. This fool, and that fool And this fool, and, and, and that fool and, oh and, no. and this fool, and that fool, and that fool And this fool, and that Oh no, we It's hard to, like, want to stop this beat, man. It <laughs> starts fire It goes
1: hard. It goes hard.
0: It goes real hard.
2: This song makes me just want to put my chucks on, my khakis, my my, my pro club.
0: <laughs> My pro five. You take it way back. <laughs> for real. Yo, Dickies. you mentioned your Dickies? Slashed. Yeah, my Dickies, my khakis. Th- Yo, did y'all have to wear uniform for your middle school? Yeah, I would, we would yeah. I would buy the blue Dickies, the navy blue Dickies. Yep, navy blue Dickies. They,
1: yes, blue. but did I wear it? No, absolutely not.
0: <laughs> I thought it looked fresh, man. Yeah, with the with the pro with the pro club, the yep. pro club and yep. then you the, the white collar. too? You switched yep. out. Did you white polos? You'd, you'd wear you'd wear like a... You'd sometimes wear like a white long sleeve Pro Club uh, yeah. or a black long sleeve Pro Club yeah. under it. You know what I'm saying? And never Press wear, tees.
2: and never wear royal blue or red
0: underneath. No, those. no, never, never, wow. You, you knew that. That'd be nah. dangerous yep. We had yep. a dress code yep. against that. They were like sometimes, no
1: royal blue, no sometimes red. You no would,
0: sometimes you would have to wear. Uh, you would, ha- you like didn't have your 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 belt, so you'd have to get like some laces from hey. from another shoe, and then use the shoelaces, you know, to All keep right. your. Yo, yo Dicky's up.
2: Yo, isn't it crazy how um they they told us not to wear
0: red and blue, yet we're asked to vote red or blue? <laughs> oh, oh, whoa. Oh, oh. oh, that's some bar right there. Yeah, <laughs> I heard crazy. Ta- crazy. he if y'all don't know, he talking Somebody about the, he talking about the Democrips. He talking about the Democrips <laughs> and <laughs> no. the Rebloodekins. You heard? Shout <laughs> no. out to Kendrick. Shout out Kendrick. <laughs> the Bloodedkins. <laughs> <laughs> Democrips and the kings
2: That's crazy.
0: Yeah man. Yo, uh I'm excited for this. This is episode 2 and we and we went back to back like uh like Drake, you heard? And and we went back to back like the Lakers about to do this year, Ooh, you
1: heard? Hey. There you go.
0: Um ready here first. So so <laughs> our first day out with the Bold Barrio podcast, uh we dropped two episodes. If you haven't listened to the first episode go and listen to that first because this is a two hour and 40 minute ish uh episode so you might have to like sit with this for a whole week you know listening so, or a yes. month or a month listening <laughs> a little bad. bit here listen a little bit there you know you're listening to it in, a, in, a, in your morning drive and then you get there and you're like All right, i'm gonna pause this come back tomorrow and listen to another piece you know so this is uh, the conversation. If you already listened to the first episode, this is the conversation we were talking about that we had with my friend Micah Beckwith and his pastor Nathan Peternell. And we talked about, uh, we asked a big question. Uh, and we didn't think it was going to be that big, but it was a big question. And, and it was literally this Why Trump? Mm-hmm. Why Trump? And that unleashed the beast, like Jeff said. You know what I'm saying? And, um,. <laughs> so uh it it was a very uh informative i'm gonna gonna say that informative uh conversation quote-unquote convo because we didn't really have a convo but it was all right because we learned a lot we we got to listen and got to know uh uh got to learn how they how they think and how they see all these things so anyways just know uh we didn't get to wrestle with everything that we wanted to wrestle with and challenge everything we wanted to challenge. So in the next few episodes, we're going to address a lot of these topics that we didn't get to fully dive into. Um, But they did, they, they shared their part and they made their part clear. And I'm glad, I'm glad they did because we're able to understand that. Um, And so go ahead and listen to this. You know, we, we tried to, to be humble. And like Jeff said, uh, in the first episode, you know, we invited them to our table. We invited them to our, to our barrio, you know, and, and mm-hmm. let, we let them, we let them We're share. We're like, dale. Dale. <laughs> <"Tile." laughs> hey, come through, fool. Like, come through. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Eddie. Send
1: Send oh, drop the Eddie, Drop the Eddie,
0: addy. <laughs> yeah, th- come through, you know. Give you, a, give you a quick hood pass so you come through. You know, no. You're, good. You're, clear. You're, clear. you're clear, you're clear. Not the hood pass. You checked in. You're clear. All right. <laughs> so without further ado, look, man, just I'm, right, I'm going to say this real quick. Listen to this with an open mind on either side. If you if you're if you're if you're on their side, like as in not like I'm not saying you're taking sides, but if you think like them, if you, uh you know, connect and relate to their points of views, it's probably going to be easier for you to listen to. Um, But I'm going to ask you. To keep an open mind to our challenges, to you know the things that we brought up when in in certain instances the the things we shared about our experience, our frustrations. Uh, if you go towards the end of the podcast, the last thirty to forty minutes, you're gonna hear a lot of frustration from me, uh, from from Lord Heidi. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna hear a lot of frustrations from us, and and we're gonna be extra clear with those frustrations. So. Please don't dismiss what we say. Kind of wrestle with it. Think about it. Like, ask yourself why. Why are they f- so frustrated? What, what you know, just know a lot of it has to do with what we've experienced and what we experience, you know, on our side from being Latinos, from being, you know, we're first generation. I think all of us, right, are first generation Americans, you know, our parents came here as immigrants. So take that into consideration take into consideration that we grew up in South Central LA we grew up in the hood we didn't grow, grow up in the suburbs in nice areas you know i i would walk the streets and i would i would be scared you know i would be always watching my back not only not only for uh you know gangs. Still, still do still do still do facts you know and and not only for gangs but even day. even even a police officer would be scared to see mm-hmm. us through you know where for you that might not be the case and and don't dismiss it look I got friends that are, are in the police department and are great people and, and I think there's a lot of great police officers so I'm not saying all police officers are bad but just know that even though I wasn't uh, a criminal I didn't do any criminal I was never involved in any criminal activity other than like t- some tagging that I did back in the day <laughs> allegedly dang um, you know what I'm saying but other than that, you know, I was a good kid, man. So but even then, like, it, it, you know, just just know, just don't dismiss it is what I'm trying to say. Right. Um, do do you all want to add anything else before we dive into this combo? Um,
2: yeah, just
0: like just like the previous podcast, like if you come out of this
2: with any questions, mm-hmm. um, any yeah. concerns, any points you would want us to talk about and consider um, again, like this is a, a family table. You know, and yeah. and and we want to we want to talk about it.
0: Yep. There it is. All right. Without, we, want, like, like, we want the smoke. Like Heidi says, we yeah, want the smoke. We want all the smoke. You heard?
1: All the smoke. All of
0: it. All right, fam. Without any further ado. Here is the conversation. That's that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get it. All right. All right, fam. So I'm excited for this, for this episode today. Um, I have some amazing people uh, here with us today and I'm excited, man. I, I, this whole week I've been, I've been just asking God, all right, God, what do you want to do? You know, because, um, and I'll share this in a little bit, but this conversation, just how, how this episode came to be, I think, I think all of it just it was god's hand over all this and and i'm just excited for what he's about to do uh through this conversation so with that being said uh i think we should start started off by by a prayer so um i'm just going to go ahead and pray god uh father we just thank you thank you for uh this opportunity that you're giving us to to join and and come together to have a conversation to have dialogue to listen to each other Father, help us. Help us be quick to listen and slow to, to respond, slow to speak, God. Um, help us hear each other out and, and not dismiss each other immediately, Father. Um, God, you guide this conversation, Lord. Um, we just want to spread the hope that is found in Jesus. We just want to build the kingdom up, the kingdom of God. And Father, we just, we just want to bring glory to you, God. And, and so help us do that. Help us do that. Help us sharpen each other up, God. And help us find a place where we can find common ground and and build uh, alongside each other, Father. So uh, just take control. Take control. And we pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Awesome. All right, guys. So you guys can jump in the conversation whenever you want. But uh, I want to start with, with introducing some people. Okay. So, um... Actually, I want to start off with, with having you guys introduce each other as, uh, as far as uh, we're going to start off with Heidi. Heidi, can you go ahead and introduce yourself to the people?
1: Hi, so my name is Heidi. I am, dang, I forgot how old I was. I'm 17 years old. I'm about to turn 18. I'm a senior in high school. Um, I've served with RLA for about six years now. Um, I look over the middle school ministry along with um, my brother and a few other people. Um, I am also um, I also overlook the small groups, which we call Connect groups, for our youth, um, specifically the sixth graders. Um, so yeah, that's me. I don't know if Andy, you want to introduce yourself as well.
0: Yeah, go ahead, Andy. Um, yeah, as my sister mentioned, um, I'm also Part of the youth ministry um i'm currently
2: the director the coordinator for the youth along with osmond a uh, shout out to Osman. um out, i just turned 21 years old um i'm blessed to be a part of this podcast with larry and with all of our guests um and i'm excited i'm excited for this conversation and i look forward to having future conversations with everyone else
0: let's go let's go jeff
2: yeah. Um, thank you guys. Thank you guys for coming in and, and, and sitting at the table with us and everybody, you know, um, and I'm just really happy because um, we don't set boundaries on on our table, you know, um, all ages, no matter what you look like, no matter who you are. And and uh, for me, this is the kingdom of God, you know, sitting at the table together Um so my my name is uh, Jeffrey. Um, I I'm b- born and raised here in L.A. Uh, just like Larry, just like uh, um, uh, Heidi and, and Andy, and um, I I'm am I'm a leader. I've been a pastor for the last eight years. I'm current. I currently serve as director of discipleship for uh, the English ministry of our church, um, and so- sometimes it, the Spanish ministry of our church, and uh, it's our L.A. church and. Um, I've been I've been serving there for for a long time, and uh, it's a, a immigrant based community, and, and and it's it's an amazing community, um, multi generational, and it, it's amazing. And um, I'm I'm also a graduate of Vanguard University and Fuller Seminary, so I, I recently last year obtained my my master's degree in theology. And hopefully soon getting ready to do a a Ph.D. in theology as well and and kind of push the boundaries on that for uh, Hispanic people. Um, If if you guys don't know, um, only about uh, three percent of of all Ph.D. graduates are Latino, Latina. That's going up now. Um, and, And I want to push the boundaries on that. Um, and just passionate about Jesus, following Jesus, and and, and being a faithful follower, um, as faithful as, as I can be, right? That's yeah, good. but that's a little bit about me.
0: Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff, Tommy. I think you're muted, Tommy. You're muted, bro. You're muted.
3: <laughs> the mute, ah, there I am. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. All right. I'm, uh, Tommy and I'm quite forgetful to turn on the mute or turn off the mute. Uh, <laughs> no, I, um, so I'm a professor of history at Huntington university. And I recently last year completed my master's, um, at Northern Illinois university in Southeast Asian history and American foreign relations. And, um, in the fall, I'll be moving to Hawaii to continue, um, PhD study of history. Hey. Um, and, uh, been a part of the church uh my whole life and uh, i've, I've uh, served with micah and larry uh many times and i'm just happy to be here and uh bring any input and and um my own studies as best i can
0: awesome awesome thank you and i'm gonna go ahead and introduce um our our two guests here uh and um yeah i'm gonna start with pastor nathan and pastor nathan I'm. I have. I have some questions to ask, and and some uh, because I. I. I was able. I don't know. This is my first time meeting Pastor Nathan, fam, and and um. You know, so I was like, yo, I want. I want to get a feel for who Pastor Nathan is, and uh, and so I. I just. I love what I. What. What I. What I'm seeing. Uh. In. In your church, a lot of the things that I'm seeing in your church, and in and, and in the ministry that you lead. Uh-huh. So. Um. So I, I got some. I got some questions to ask there, but. Um, Pastor Nathan, how do you pronounce your name? I, your last name. I want to make sure I get it right.
4: Oh, uh, it's it's just Peternell, Peter just the way it looks.
0: Okay, awesome. Yeah. So, Pastor Nathan Peternell, he's the lead pastor of three of a three-campus multi-site church in the Indianapolis area. He has been in full-time ministry for 21 years. Nathan is ordained with the Assemblies of God of the United States which is one of 144 nations to form the World Assemblies of God, the largest and most ethnically diverse Pentecostal fellowship in the world. All right. So that's Pastor Nathan. So thank you for being here with with us, Pastor Nathan. Thanks for having me,
4: man. It's an
0: honor. Thank you. Thank you. Um, All right. And and now my 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 brother, I got to I got to introduce my brother here. Micah Beckwith. Micah is a campus pastor at Life Church uh, in central Indiana and is the Sing Love worship ministries, founder and CEO. Micah has been in student worship ministry for over 16 years and is passionate about training and equipping the next generation of spirit filled worship leaders. Micah also has a heart for American governance and is actively engaged in politics at both the state and federal levels. In 2020 Micah was one of the 15 candidates in the hotly contested Indiana 5th District Republican U.S. Congressional primary race. Sheesh. Micah also serves on staff at the Indiana Family Institute as the director of the Hoosier Leadership Series. As a bold, outspoken conservative and constitutional historian, Micah has a strong desire to see the United States return to its roots of biblical foundations and godly governance. Micah and his wife, Susan, live in Indianapolis with their two children, Brody and Savannah and their boxer puppy, Max. All right. So, Micah, welcome to the podcast, brother.
5: It's good to be here, Larry. You know, anything you do, I want to be a part of it. So whatever you do is a lot of fun. So I appreciate you.
0: Yo, before we we move on to 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 the juicy stuff of the conversation, I want to make sure that I start this off um by honoring Micah. Okay. Now, now now you might be asking why are why the focus on Micah from my end? And and it's because this episode was uh the idea of this episode came from a conversation I had with Micah. So um so Micah posted on social media something. I'm not gonna go into that right now. Um but I disagreed with what he said and Mind you, I had never had this conversation with Micah before, like on, on, on things like this, on our disagreements. Um, and and so I, I texted him and I texted him and I let him know that I have a lot of love for him. I have a lot of I thank God for his life. And I, I'll say I'll explain why for, in, a, in a second. Um, and so I lovingly let him know that I disagree with him. And Micah called me and we had a a great conversation it was like an hour and a half and we were going back and forth on things on disagreeing on some things on agreeing on others on finding that common ground on sharpening each other and we were like you know what uh we need to we need to put this out we need to have a conversation out in public um not for people to see us and be like oh you know like good stuff like no it it's more to be an example of the type of conversations that we we need to we need to be having and for those of you some of you i know that are on both sides are just tired of having the conversations you're probably just wary on this stuff and 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 it's totally understandable it's been tough but um we're 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 having it you know and so um but Micah let me talk about Micah real quick I met Micah when I got hired at Northview I moved to Indiana and I was out there for two and a half years and Micah was the student worship pastor there um at the time and and we just connected uh they were they were actually they had just uh uh started writing I think that was one of the first that was probably the first album you guys did at Northview right
5: yeah, it was close. It was close to that. Yep. Yeah. I think it was the first album. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. With uh, are. I think it was UR.
3: Yeah. Yep. It was a UR um, record. Yep. So. It was like so long ago. Yeah.
0: I know. <laughs> yeah. 2015. <laughs> and so I, uh, I told Micah that I was a rapper and I had, I had never put out any music and he believed me, guys. <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I, I hadn't written some songs. I had I just never put anything out, but I, I had done some stuff and, and Micah asked me to join in. And uh I got I got uh featured on the track there with them and, and was able to work with Micah. I got to perform out there uh and 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 rap and share the stage with Micah. Um, and just lead students in worship. And and that was a great experience from there. We just started building a relationship. I was part of the the next uh, album songwriting retreat. Um, Micah took me on tour with them and we like on tour. <laughs> we went to different conferences and different cities. So I had never experienced that, you know, and Micah just kept affirming me and telling me, you know, like, yo, let's do it. Come on. help us right. This and that. And so Um, I'm grateful for that experience but one of the biggest things that I am thankful for is um what Micah did outside of sing love for me and that was constantly affirmed the calling that God had placed in my life and that was a, a pastoral calling um and you know even even when it when it wasn't uh even when it meant that I was going to have to leave Indiana and come back to LA. Um, so, so all of that to say, Micah, I, I love you, brother. I thank you. I honor you despite like, like put all the disagreements aside. Um, I thank you for your heart. I thank God for your heart. Um, and, and the love that you have shown me. I haven't personally, I know we've all, we, we are all to blame and, and probably, you know, unintentionally sometimes hurting people but I I can say that I've I haven't been uh in a place where I've been hurt by Micah personally I haven't had a bad experience with Micah Micah I, I I don't have anything bad to say about you as a man so and I love you and I thank you and 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 on the contrary I honor you bro and I and I thank God for the impact you had in my life so I just wanted to say that before anything else
5: Thank you, Larry. I appreciate that. And if you need some dirt on me, just call my wife, and she can uh, she can give <laughs> you some good, some right. good dirt. But right? but man, I I love oh, you, man. and yeah, dude, I love you. I I think what God's doing uh, through you is just awesome. I mean, we saw it Thank a long you. time ago. You know, back in the early days of the Sing Love Ministry, and and so you brought so much to our team. It was sad to see you go to L.A., but we knew that's where the Lord was. When he was calling you back, there we knew that's that was the good thing. That was that was the right thing that the Lord was doing. And and uh, and you know, you you brought up that the UR record, and you said you were a rapper, and you you didn't have any you know songs or anything like that. You came from LA, man. That's all the cred you need. Like for who's your country boys? <laughs> that's all. That's you, all you LA, needed to know. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: all you needed to know. Oh, we needed to know. It's like this guy's good. He's from LA. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny no uh yeah man and it was a blast it was i had a lot of fun man and those on writing those records recording those records with you guys um and so i want to get into it man i want to get into it uh i want to start with pa- pastor uh pastor nathan can you yeah. share a little bit of about about your church your, your your leadership share a little bit uh about about what you're doing in indiana
4: sure yeah um so, uh, I, I became the pastor of Life Church about ten years ago, and uh, our philosophy of ministry really has to do with um, with teaching people God's Word. Uh, so there's 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 ways that people preach today. Uh, one's topically based, and another another on the kind of the other side is what's called expository preaching, and um, ours is an expository um, approach. Um we we just really believe in that philosophy because the Bible's been written in a certain order. And um even within a book, you know, it's hard to understand, you know, D E and F if you don't understand A, B, and C. And so, um, you know, Holy Spirit writes writes the scripture, you know, he inspires every word and tells the men what to write. And so, you know, at our church we believe in the inerrant word of God. Um, so we don't toss parts we don't like. Uh, and we, we accept that, that the word of God is the word of God. And if we disagree with it, we need to come into alignment and submission to Christ and not try to make it say what we want it to say to fit, um, what's going on in our world. Um, and, uh, and so expository preachings are bread and butter. Um, we, we began to (laughs) kind of grow really fast and just kind of, you know, having other services and then from having additional services it it, it came into planting new campuses and uh, I never intended that to be what happened I always wanted to be in church planting but I, I had no idea about the multi-site approach until it kind of happened to us um, so so we stumbled into that and we took 150 people out of our one campus and sent them over and trying to get um, a philosophy of You know, having people not have to drive long distances to be a part of the body, you know, in their community. And so, you know, that kind of that sweet spot is between 10 and 20 minutes drive time from their house. If you want people to be in community, have their kids there and their teenagers there. And um, so so then while we were in the midst of that, the Lord kind of spoke a prophetic word over us that it wasn't just going to be one campus that we planted, but it was going to be 10 campuses that we planted across Indianapolis. And that could have seemed daunting, but if it's going to be 10, it's got to start with one. So, we felt like the Lord was affirming what we were doing. And so, uh, you know, as God's church grows, you got to learn how to change the structure because the plant keeps growing. So, the arbor has to be bigger for the plant to grow on it, for the fruit yeah. to come. So it's been a, a structural uh, kind of thing. And then, you know, I don't want a church that's all wrapped up in one man's personality. So a lot of churches do, um, you know, they, yeah. they they have just the one lead pastor who preaches the word. But I have, um, you know, I really believe like uh, it was kind of funny. I like Ronald Reagan used to say, "Get smarter people than you and put them at your table, right? Surround yourself with good people yeah. because God uses all the gifts. And so um, so we started to create campus pastors, and uh, the campus pastors will preach the exposited word. So all of our campuses have um, they they all have a text as we're moving together, but those texts come through different people. and I, As a lead pastor, I don't mandate that they see it exactly the way I do. I don't think we ought to big time disagree with one another. But if God gave some to be apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and evangelists, then those gifts of Christ will see a text a little bit differently. The biggest thing is that we say what God has said and then allow that gift of Christ to speak so that all the people can be prepared for works of service, according to, you know, Ephesians 4.11. So that's kind of, you know, Micah is one of my campus pastors. Um, I met him through his campaign running for Congress. And, um, and so, you know, he's leading our Noblesville campus now. And, um, and so, you know, we're, we're diverse in the fact that we're across different parts of Indianapolis. So one campus does not necessarily look like, another part of the campus, you know, another part of the, you know, other campuses. And yet, you know, Christ is the foundation of it all for us. So that gives you a kind of a, an idea of how we roll, you know, the scriptures are above all things.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And I want to mention, I want to mention something uh, as far as, you know, some of the research that I did uh, uh, because we are going to get into a lot of the things that we disagree in and we're going to break break those things down as to why and 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 try to find a common ground but i do want to start by by i want to make sure a lot of our uh audience is going to be uh from both sides so i want to make sure that that we start with some of the things that that i think we we can both agree are very important things to to work on and uh micah can you share real quick uh just what you shared. I think it was yesterday the video you posted regarding what Life Church is doing.
5: Yeah, so God is uh he's grown Life Church right now like crazy. I mean, we've had our tent we're having attendance records. We are uh people are giving generously. I mean, God is laying it on the hearts to get for the people to give. We um we had a pretty big goal this Christmas season um to raise $70,000. Uh, which for us is a, is a lot of money, um, just in the Christmas season to to go to pro, uh, a ministry called Project Rescue, which basically takes um, women; it rescues women out of the sex slave uh, the sex slave industry in India, in the brothels in India. And um, but it's really complicated because a lot of these women have children. A lot of that's it's the only income they can they can they know how to provide for themselves and their kids. So you can't just pull them out. You got to give them a way for them to be able to make a living and to go into other, other means of industry um, so that they can take care of their kids. And so for us to be able to do that, well, Project Rescue, what they do is they basically, it takes about $1,500 to to rescue a woman and her kids and pull them out and to get them set up with a small business, teach them, give them the training that they need so they can go down a different path. And we raised, we raised that, Nathan, you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong, but on the last day of uh, 2020, we we got the money into $70,000 and we had a, uh, there's an organization that gave us, uh, matched us dollar for dollar for this. We raised $140,000 in the month of December to, to set uh, it, it was about 90 women and their and their families free from uh, the sex slave industry in India. India, I mean, just awesome things like that. And, um, you know, our, our uh, we've had our second highest uh, Christmas Easter attendance ever this past Christmas. Um, you know, when people when a lot of people are hunkering down and and saying we've got to we've got to stay safe. You know, Life Church is saying no. God doesn't call us to be safe; He calls us to be ready. And and so we kind of take that approach. We say we're not gonna we're not gonna live in fear. Um, you know, we're death. I've been saying it at our campus. I'm like, people, we are death proof until the Lord says otherwise. And uh, and that's how we're that's how we're doing life, uh, doing it boldly. And it's and it's it is it's drawing people to the kingdom in ways that I think it, it's it's mind blowing for all of us. We're just like. Lord, you're awesome, and so it's been really good. It's you know God's good, and, and He's moving powerfully here. So it also That's ticks
4: awesome. people off though, Larry. I mean, it you know <laughs> he, he, <Sorry>. I mean, <laughs> if, if we were truly, truly going to say both sides, right? There are yeah. a lot of people they don't even like that we're having services. They certainly don't like that it seems like it used to be, you know. Yeah. Um, and and we're you know we kind of leave the mask thing to people's content. Conscience as they're praying through it, you do what mm. you feel led to do, you know. So it we we've lost people too. And um and a lot of people they've drawn very big lines on this and and there's a whole lot of um uh you know people feel like maybe one side's more righteous than the other side. And so, you know, but only God knows the hearts of the sons of men. He only he right. he's the only one who really knows what's in our heart. And um so, you know, at the same time, we're seeing awesome things happen. We've had people leave our church angry, mad, you know, and um, and and disassociate because, you know, you don't handle a policy exactly yeah. the way they think it should be handled.
0: Yeah, no, that's good. And I, I don't think we're going to spend too much time on this topic uh, in particular, but I'm glad you guys brought it up because um, I think that's something that we we need to understand that. uh a lot there's a lot to that that plays into the why and the how you are doing things and going about things now I don't know how things are are in Indiana but let me tell you how things are here in LA it's bad it is it is bad we're not gonna gonna go into the why right but but it's bad here and so we uh we are like enforcing in a way we, we're we asking everybody to that comes in to come into our church wearing a mask social distance all of that um because uh i don't know if you guys know this but hispanic people are getting hit uh are being affected way more i i just went through it uh i had i got covid uh towards the end of december and it was the worst thing that i've experienced like I There was a moment where I thought, yo, this might be it. God, like this might be it. But uh, thank God it wasn't. Um, But it was bad. And and I understand why the measures and all that. So and that's because of the experience I had with it. Right. Um, And so and what's happening in the city. But I will say at the beginning of it, because I didn't know, yo, how is this? What is this? What is this virus? I don't understand it. It sounds like people don't understand it either. And uh, I was urging our pastor, yo, let's play it safe. Let's play it safe. A lot of us were like, let's just go online until we see what's going on. Um, And now I'm kind of on the opposite side of saying not, not too extreme, but I'm, I'm, I am saying like, yo, we can meet. We've, proven that we are taking the safety measures and the precautions to keep our church safe and keep our people safe and still be able to worship so um so i think it all depends a lot of these decisions all depend and i think uh this ties into where we're gonna go what we're gonna go into because um we're we're about to address the elephant in the room here and um pastor nathan i'm i i'm not gonna i'm not gonna uh, put you in in a in a place where you know label you this and this because I don't know you, and I can't. But I think Micah, I I, I think Micah, we can we can confidently say, Micah, <laughs> Micah is a big uh, Trump supporter, and I, I, and and I'm not I'm not saying as a, as a as a bad thing, necessarily, but. <laughs> I definitely yes you are.
1: Yes, uh, you are. Yeah,
0: you're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> but I definitely am not for Trump. I think uh, most of us here, most of the faces you're seeing here are not. Um, uh, we're 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 glad that Trump is on his way out, to be honest. And respectfully, yeah. I say that. Um, and so I want I want us to talk about the why. The why. Why am I in this place of being you know what? I'm, I'm glad, thank God, that Trump is on his way out. And but I do want to talk about the why um, the, the why for Trump. You know, I want to give that opportunity because and I want to ask our listeners, because I know we got a lot of st- stubborn people on both sides, a lot of closed minded people on both sides. And so I just want to ask, like, please keep an open mind about this. Try to see the things it's going to be easy to see the things that you're against and that you disagree with, that's easy. That's cake. Try to see the things that you, that you agree with the common ground, find the common ground, because we might be able to build off of that. So, um, so I wanted to say that first. So I want to give the opportunity, uh, Pastor Nathan and Micah um, to just share your perspective, your point of view on this. And, and then we'll, we'll, we'll dive into the conversation like that.
4: Well, thanks, man. Um, you want to go first, Micah? No, go ahead. Uh, go ahead, Nathan. That's
0: fine. Uh,
4: well, uh, let me just say I I voted for Trump twice. Um, I um I think that got lots of friends who didn't, and um, I still love them. Um, I haven't taken their salvation away from them, so I hope no one will take my salvation away from me. Um, but I I think what. Um, a lot of times we're doing as liberals and conservatives is that we tend to say what issues are the most important to us. And that's really how we vote. Um, It doesn't mean that, you know, a lot of times, you know, with policies, um, policies are just a means of trying to help people's lives. We may disagree with how each other do it. The question is what's in what's in the heart and, that, and and the Bible is very clear. In 2 Kings, it talks about no one knows the the hearts of the sons of men except for God alone. But we have a great thing that we do here, uh, you know, as humans is we, we judge each other's hearts. We call somebody a racist, even though that might not be at all what's in their heart. But they say, well, if you voted for that, then you are. You know, we paint with broad brushes. Um, and that might not be the issues that, that we're saying are, are the bigger deals. Um, you know, for me, uh, I, I, hate, uh, I hate abortion. I despise abortion. As a Christian, I don't understand uh, how somebody who understands, you know, what the Bible says in the book of Psalms that God makes us in our mother's womb and he's laid out our days for us while we're in our mother's womb. You know, uh, I don't understand how Christians, um, you know, can can say that life doesn't happen at conception. And I think that if you care about if you care about black people, you would understand where where abortion has its origins. And Margaret Sanger and the fact that she did this to eradicate black people. And I think abortion is a racist policy. And it's wicked. And they target the inner city and they put their their places there and they convince people that it's good, that that you 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 know, this this is this is some somehow they paint it in a way that leads that to be somehow virtuous. And I can't find it virtuous at all. So when Trump comes and he says, hey, I'm going to be pro-life and I'm going to appoint pro-life judges, then I say yes and amen. How can I help you? You know, I also know where our country came from and what it came through. And it, it didn't start perfect, but all, it's always been a desire to have a more perfect union. And um, because I'm a, I, I love history and go back and study where it comes from, then, then I know that, that uh, you know, uh, that, that there are certain things that the country was built on. Um, so I'm a very, I, I don't trust government. Um, Americans didn't trust government. They ultimately, you know, we love America. Well, America was founded on people who said, you can't rule us like that. That's not fair and right. And we love what America has offered us, but it started in a rebellion, you know, that ultimately had to take place because we didn't have representation in parliament. So if that's the case, what helped us to be able to have that freedom? It was the ability to take up arms against a tyrannical government. So I'm a big gun rights guy. I have lots of guns. I want to keep my guns. I don't want anybody to take them from me. And I don't have them for hunting. I have them to overthrow a tyrannical government should that day ever come like it came to the patriots in the beginning. And not that I want to kill anybody or hurt anybody. I want to just be free. And and I also believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ going out. And I think America's done the most to send the gospel to the nations of any country in the history of the world. And, and to do that, it's needed, it's needed the finance and the economy and the heart that to go to all the nations. So there's things that freedom gives us that I think that Trump's policies protected more. Do I think that Trump's the nicest guy in the world? No, but I didn't vote for his personality. I voted for his policies. And overall I'm happy with his policies. And I can, I can get behind something like that. What were my alternatives? In my point of view, not good. I'd have to vote for somebody who was for abortion. I'd have to vote for somebody who wanted to take our freedom away. I'd have to vote for more government. I'd have to vote for government far from me, all of which I fundamentally disagree with, that those are the best policies for my, my fellow Americans. I think we'll all do better when we have more control over our lives.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for that. Great, Larry, you, yeah, you think can. go ahead.
2: Yeah, so that was a lot. And, and, and I, I try to write down uh, some of the points that, that, that you made and, and I just ap- appreciate you being honest. Um, and, and, but the thing I want to, I want to tackle was the last thing you said about, I just want to do what's best for my fellow Americans. And, um, we're Americans. I'm am an American. Um, I I was born here. I'm a citizen, um, and I, I love the United States as well. But my experience of the United States probably hasn't been the same as as yours. Um, I've 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 had some of the benefits, but um, what I want to say is. I, I think and let me know what you think um sometimes I think that we we think we know what other people need so um so what I'm trying to say is you we think we know what other people need and because of that we impose certain things on these people or, or we try to pass these certain policies because we think we know what's best for them but I don't think that um, that's probably the best way to go about things. Um, I, I think for me, before assuming we know what people need, there needs to be conversation. And and, and especially the white evangelical church, there's a ton of resource. And, and like you said, um, um, they've been a huge part of sending missionaries out um, to the world. Um for the Latino Latina church, that's not that's not the case. Um, and what I what I what I, I guess what I'm trying to imagine is instead of sometimes assuming I know what you need, um, what if we were to ask each other, what do you need? Uh, uh, like what what is it that what is it that that how is it that although these policies are affecting me in a positive way how are these policies affecting you whether it be negative or positive because some of us have have benefited from um trump's policies um but some of us haven't um and and so yeah what what do what do you think about that
5: well i mean i i Go ahead, Mike. I already talked. To oh, him. sorry. I see. I'm, I didn't know if he was specifically asking. No, no. Asking anyone? About- anyone? Anyone? Okay. Well, Jeffrey, I just want to say I agree with you on that. I think uh, you're right. You are in a different spot than I am. I'm in a different spot than Nathan is and Larry. That's the point of limited government. Government doesn't know what everybody needs, nor should it impose a broad sweeping uh, policy over all of us equally because we're all in different places. That's the point of the founding fathers setting up what they have here is, is limited government. You know, and decentralized government. I mean, Washington doesn't know what's going on in L.A., let alone what's going on. in you know, you know, cornfield of Indiana don't give Washington full authority over our, our lives. I mean, you guys need to be able to set policy per L.A. as you see fit. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's your be like you should have the authority to do that because how you will be able to address your community, both from a church perspective, a family perspective and a government perspective is going to be way better than how I think it should be done, how Washington thinks it should be done. So I always stand with people who are going to limit government's power. I don't want Mm -hmm. big government. I think freedom is a good thing. And whenever big government comes, you know, Ronald Reagan said it best the nine most terrifying words in the English language are I'm with the government and I'm here to help. The government doesn't do anything well. They do very few mm. things. Well, let's not let the government run our lives because it's not going to go well. If you can take health care, for instance. There's a reason that hospitals that are successful have been birthed out of the church, like the Methodist hospital, the hospital, the Lutheran hospital, St. Jude's, uh, St. Vincent's here in Indianapolis. They've come from the church and they're they're very successful. But there's a reason why the VA is not very successful is because it was birthed out of the government. The Lord never set up the government to take care of the sick, the needy, the orphan, the poor, the widow. The government doesn't have that authority to do it. That's why they do it badly. The church has the authority to do it. And so what the government should do is get behind local churches and non-for-profits and say, Hey, you guys know LA way better than we do out in Washington. So we're going to get behind you so you can be the hands and feet of Jesus. And that's when, that's when the institution of government, church and family really start working well is when each one knows, okay, this is my role and this is how I'm supposed to go forward. So again, I agree with you, Jeffrey. Like. Policies don't work right for everybody, and you can It's not a broad stroke thing, so that's why individual liberty
2: is so important. Yeah, and 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 I, and and I want to I want to say this. I think to say government doesn't do anything well, I think that's a little bit of a generalization. It's kind of like saying all men are bad. You know, I think there are are things that government is there for, and I'm like, not, and like, I'm not, like, and, and I'm not feel. saying. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying like, oh, I'm pro-government. I love the government. I think sure. something that Pastor Nathan pointed out was that, that uh, Americans have a suspicion towards government. And that's not just in, in Indianapolis. That's here in L.A. as well. Um, we we here in L.A. have suspicions towards government, towards police officers, towards each other sometimes. And um, that's just the way people in L.A. are. Um and so, I'm not trying to advocate for that. I'm, I'm just trying to, to to not throw around generalizations, just like we're not throwing around generalizations about Trump supporters. Um, and in terms of what government um, can do well, I think every program can be improved. Every program can be improved. Um, there's the government is not perfect, but my family has been has benefited from some government programs, such as. Um, Uh, food stamps um there were moments when i was a kid where we i literally had nothing to eat um my mom couldn't really afford the wage the wage here in la was so low 20 years ago uh, she worked in a in a sweat uh shop and she couldn't make ends eat and what gave her the means to provide food for her kids were food stamps um and the and, and I know, I know conservatives are not the biggest fans of, of food stamps and welfare. Um, but at that moment, that is what kept me fed, you know? And I, who knows? I don't know. I don't know what would have happened if that wasn't there. I would have probably made it. But, but that's what kept my belly full in that moment. Um, and so that's one program that I've been a bit benefited from. It's probably not the best program. And it's probably not well, it's not run the way that maybe you desire for it to be run, or maybe you don't even desire for it to exist. Some people have taken advantage of it, but that's one program that I've benefited from. Yeah. Jeff,
4: Jeff, I, uh, I, I want to tell you, man, I'm, I'm glad, you know, I, I'm glad that, that the Lord provided for you in that moment. Right. Yeah. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
4: uh, ultimately our sources from God as, as believers, um, mm-hmm. uh, I I think that um, you know the church bears a lot of responsibility yep. Yep. to to reach out in His name to feed little bellies when when they need to be fed, right? Um, you know our our church, we we have a benevolence fund. It in benevolence is that fancy word for love, right? Um, nobody taxes anybody to get that money. The people give it from their heart. You know, Paul the Apostle talks about, hey, don't give any more than you, you feel compelled to give, you know, because the Spirit's working inside of you. Um, the difference is who can meet the needs in our society? Does that have to come through government or can that come through other means, right? Do we, do we believe that being taxed, I, I don't know about you, I mean, your taxes rate in L.A. has to be way higher than mine. I I was out in New York or I was I was out in California in uh in the beginning of October and I felt like I was in a different country. Uh I couldn't believe the la- the what to me felt like the lack of freedom that you guys are living through right now and I don't envy you. Um but it 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 was different, you know. I I look at um I look at government as you know, stay out of our lives, don't take as much from us, and we'll have more that we can be able to give. People people are generous and they wanna do things whenever their arm is not being twisted to do it. Do I think that we should help help people who who have need? Absolutely. We preach it all the time. I just don't know that paying it in taxes is where I think it's the government's responsibility to do it. America at its root, is people who have said less government over top of us read when 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 we read the constitution the constitution limits what government can do it doesn't tell us what it's not really to the citizens it's actually written to government to tell them here's what you're not allowed to do and so i think even if you love america you realize and and you know i wasn't uh, my, you know, I, our, our family goes back maybe four or five generations, right? We weren't here in 1776, my family, uh, we came as immigrants, you know, and, um, and, and I, I would say that the the beauty of it was, is that you could come in and be a part of the melting pot and that these principles that were fought for became yours, no matter your color or your creed or your nationality, uh, no, your, your, your religious affiliation, these applied to you. So now take them as, as sons and daughters and, and live free, which to me is less people with their thumb on me. I want to do good in the world. I just don't want somebody twisting my arm and taking it out of my pocket to do it. I want to do it from my heart. There's no love in taxes, at least not in my heart. Okay. I'll just be honest. I'll just speak for <laughs> me. I don't feel love when I pay my taxes, but man, when I write a check, And I can give it to somebody face to face and I can invite them into the church and I can say, Hey, I'm giving this to you because Jesus loves me and I love
2: you. That that's, that's a different thing. Sorry, Larry, just real quick. And I would feel, I would say the opposite. I think my problem with taxes is I don't mind being taxed. I think my problem is where those taxes go. Um, for me, um, so I, 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 I stand for non I I try to be nonviolent in all the things I do, Um, even the right to bear arms. Um, That's just the way I see my freedom in Christ. Right. For the benefit of others. Um, And my problem with my taxes is not so much using it to feed the poor or using it to feed those with with with, who are in need. My problem with where my money is going is that we're going to fund a military. Um, And and that's something that. That I've just struggled with, with the, the and then Larry, sorry, you can you can push it oh, a, away, but um, just kind of trying to to relate to you in terms of the concept of taxes and and I I don't mind being taxed. I, I don't really and I don't and I don't relate it or try to connect it to love. I I think th- this is like I don't know taxes is something that. That I don't really connect to love, or I don't have an emotional connection to. But what matters to me is where my taxes go, and and that's something that I I do have a problem with in terms of how it funds military and how it funds other things that that I don't see my faith as a part of. Um, and
4: so, yeah, yeah. I, I and I would come back exactly on the opposite side, right? I yeah. I think I think that uh, when it comes to you know, I, 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 care about where my money goes too. I, mm-hmm. I don't want to, so like welfare is not, it's not bad to have a system of welfare. I don't think people ought to be able to stay on it for 99 weeks, not looking yeah. for a job and only start yeah. to look for a job when it's about there to run out. Mm-hmm. I think that incentivizes laziness. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, I can't be lazy. I, I don't love the idea of socialized medicine. I had, I, I had uh, my own healthcare that I, I could pay for, Um had had an a a health insurance policy. Obamacare raised my my uh my premium to a point, even though it was promised to go the opposite way, raised my premium to a point that I could no longer afford health care. So today I don't have any health care. I I have to pay everything out of pocket and 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 I pray that God protects me and my family. Mm -hmm. Um but you know, not all policies uh, they don't all work out for for everybody i'm yeah. totally yeah. pro-military because yeah. if the military's not strong then then i i think that evil runs more rampant in the world i'd rather have america leading the way than than other countries are leading the way thank you thank you uh,
0: go ahead Tommy. Wait, so, can I cool, have, can I
4: something?
1: oh go
3: ahead go ahead can
1: I have, yeah can I something like, go ahead. um so i did i was it took me a while to think about this question um But when you guys say, or by you guys, I mean, Micah, specifically, um, when you say that um, the government doesn't know what it wants for its people, because what's going on in Washington isn't going on in L.A., that's when I think that representatives are needed, representatives that look like me, representatives that other representatives as well for different parts of the country. What's going on in L.A. is not what's going on in in Indiana. People that are in L.A. are not the same people that are in Indiana. So my question would be, the U.S. is a melting pot. The U.S. is something that's so beautiful because people of all different cultures, religions, ethnicities, backgrounds, everything can live here. Um, So my question would be, if you're so against, um, I don't know how to say it. If you're so against government um, not knowing what it wants for its people, wouldn't you want? people that look like you or that look like me or that look like different people in all parts of the country be in government wouldn't you think that would be kind of not a solution but something that could improve probably the quality of the people that live here
5: no absolutely well and and jeffrey's the one that said government doesn't necessarily know what policies you know everyone should 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 no
2: no i said i said when when nathan mentioned that he that is my video on sorry, yeah. when Nathan mentioned yeah. that um, he wants to look out for uh, his fellow Americans, I said that perhaps that he doesn't know what other Americans need, um, okay. he what his circle needs, but he doesn't know sure. what I need. You know what I'm saying?
5: Yep. Yep. And and so well to answer then your your question, Heidi, uh, you know the House of Representatives. It's that's why it was created so we could have proper representation per the geographical area that we're coming from. The problem is when the United States uh, House was, was created, the House members served one term. That's two years. The reason they served one term is because they would leave their homes, their families, their farms and businesses. They'd ride on horseback. They'd get to Washington. They'd stay in Washington for two years. They'd just come from their home So they know what the people in their community are saying. They know what type of representation they should give what they should have out in Washington. And they go represent it. And then they come home after two years and they would pass the baton to somebody else. And that person would go out. The problem that's happened in the United States is that that doesn't exist anymore. We have career politicians who. Go out to Washington and become part of the problem and not the solution. I'm totally for what you're saying. I think we need term limits to limit who's out there for how long. We should absolutely not have a politician serve more than 12 years in either the House or the Senate, because the problem is they get out there and you get you've had Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, Mitch McConnell. I mean, you name it. You have all these people that have been in office for over 40 years 40 years. They're not in touch with the communities anymore. They live in Washington. They don't live in your community. And so, and so I, I think you're right, but we, unfortunately, our government has grown too big and too powerful and people, you know, there's an old saying, it says power corrupts and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. And so we have to limit how long people are in Washington, in my opinion. And I think that, and i agree with you i think we should have lots of diverse types of representation in washington because we have diverse communities but the problem is those people go to washington and they don't they don't stay representing you they start representing their own interests more than you so so i kind of agree with you and i, I think we're speaking the same language but but that's that's my thought on
1: that
0: i, I gotta say i agree with that wait 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 hold on hold on, hold on. So, i'm sorry
1: However, in your video, I did watch your video in which you said that um, that the attacks on the Capitol, the riots on the Capitol, the horrible things that happened there um, were because essentially somebody in government, someone that represents a specific group of people, someone that does not believe what we believe, went up there and they praised another name. um, And essentially that was God's wrath on us. So what I don't understand is why you can say that you agree with me, that you like representation, that you believe in diversity. However, then say that you believe that because somebody else that does not look like you, which is diverse, which is not the same, um, can cause this essentially can cause something so horrific in the United States, something that hurt a lot of Americans. It it hurt me watching that on national television, watching what went on. Um, so yeah, how can you say that you like diversity, that you enforce diversity, that you love diversity, um, but then say that God essentially um, does not want someone mm-hmm. like that person in office?
0: Micah, before well, before you, Micah, oh, yeah. sorry, before you answer this yeah. question, Heidi, mm-hmm. write this question down. We're gonna dive into that in in in, in a bit. Um, but I, I want to give Tommy the opportunity to, to speak on, just, on what we're currently talking about. <laughs> he's been raising about. his
4: hands multiple and then, times.
0: And then I want to address uh, uh, some of the things that Pastor Nathan brought up that that are really important to talk about. So so go ahead, Tommy.
3: Yeah. Um, so my kind of methodology that I employ when I do history is I start with like, what language am I using? That's I love language and I like to sort of try to understand like what does this word actually mean how what does it mean to me and what does it actually mean practically um, and and be- before i jump into that i do want to say that i my job does not offer me health care and without the affordable care act i would not have health care i just turned 26 last year and i was booted off my parents insurance i and, second that
0: i second that and
3: so so for me and it actually it only took me an hour of work uh, on my laptop to get signed up for that and it fit within my budget. And it was, it was provision for me. And so that's just an experience I want to attest to um, that without the affordable care act, I, I had no way of getting insurance. Um, And then, uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. And then uh, I, I just, we keep throwing around these term, this term of like government, and I just kind of want to maybe expand that from being a monolithic term. And and sort of expand what that means because there's a lot more to government than I think uh, we're using it in a very generalized way, and I think it can be better understood as just bureaucracy. This is these are institutions that are connected by a common doctrine and implemented by people, and I think for me, I don't see uh, I, I see I don't see a difference between the bureaucracy of business or of corporations or the bureaucracy of government. And so there's so many different parts to that government that operate at all these different levels. And so I, th- I think we have to be careful when we say, oh, the government doesn't do this or the government does that. Because for me, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, well, what's the difference between big government and big military, where we are a country that spends more than the next 22 countries combined 21 of which are allies on, on military spending. So, you know, and I'm a, I'm a studying of, of American foreign relations, Nathan, you mentioned that, um, that you you enjoy your freedoms as do, I think most Americans, I think this is a brand that is sort of uh, ingrained within the American impulse. And I, I think that, you know, in a sense, um, if we are Americans, yes, we don't want our freedoms stripped away, but yet for the last 200 years, <laughs> That's been what we have done as a nation countless times in countries around the world. And it's easy to fall into this trap of, oh, bigger government equals bigger security, bigger, you know, speak softly and carry a big stick kind of thing. And I just don't think that um, we can justify all of that spending, all that increase, while also advocating for a smaller government, you know, whatever that means here, here at home, um and and furthermore the the public private distinction no longer exists especially with the ascent of the internet i think that like i think that there is so much gray area between how a corporation operates and how government operates as well as the fact that um the way that information is disseminated uh there's no way to to really verify its credibility and so i just I just wanted to interject there and and kind of bring up this idea that the way that w- the bureaucracy functions in our nation is not even clear to everyone. And I think that we have a tendency to generalize that when there's so much nuance and complexity there.
4: Well, I, I want to tell you, I I think that you're right about the nuances and complexity. I mean, that's why I was thinking, and in this conversation, we're going here and going there. And I mean, these are all... The realities of policies that affect our lives, right? So I, I think you're right in in uh, in in looking at it like that. Um, I would say that I think that um, I, I, th- I think there are certain things the government does well. I think the military is one of them, right? Um, I. I think that we spend uh, an, an enormous amount on education and we don't always do so hot in what we produce. I, I'm more of a private sector guy. I think companies turn faster than do, you know, giant corporations or, you know, giant, the, the bigger it is, the harder it is to turn that thing quickly, right? Um, and and also uh, those things are are more, you know, back to your local community because, because corporations are in your state or in your, uh, in your town, you have more ability to influence those things than you do something far from home. And so I, you know, I, I grant you and seed you the point that there, it's nuanced and complex, there's no doubt. And you're right that when we are speaking about government, um, I think the way that, that uh, you know, Micah and I are probably using that term is bloated federal government. Um, Micah, is that is that more what you believe as well?
5: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's um, I I look at it from I, I I disagree with Tommy from the sec the standpoint that there's no distinction between private and public anymore. I think there certainly is. And I think we see the private sector doing things a lot better than the public sector and almost almost everything but like to what you said uh Nathan is the military is one aspect of government that I actually do think we do well and and here's why again I go back to scripture I go back to say okay there's there's three institutions that God created in Genesis you can go back and you can study it he created the family first he created the government second and he created the the church third it's laid out through the book of Genesis and you can you can follow that very easily And God ordained each institution to carry certain responsibilities. You know, I've been a youth pastor for, you know, 16 years. I've had parents come to me and say, Micah, my kid's going down the path to hell. Step in and do something. Please help us. And I, I said, well, I can't take the authority from you because God didn't give me the authority as the church to raise your kids. He did give you, though, parents, the authority to raise your kids. You're going to do it way better than I will do it. Here's what I'll do. I'll come alongside of you and help you disciple your children the way God is calling you to do that. In the same aspect where, where government, where God ordains government is the, the defense of its people, the defense of its citizens. He has totally given that mantle. You see it all through Scripture. That God has called the milit- the government to take up arms and defend His children. He said that how many times with the nation of Israel? He, he, I mean, he told them they need to go and defend their people, and sometimes it it takes violence to do that, you know. And to say that you know we are God is not a god of violence. You don't know Scripture. God is absolutely a god of violence. And
0: I, I would add, I would add uh, to defend, I would add care as well. Uh, uh, well, sure. Through, yeah, through, yeah, I mean, through, through Scripture, that was a big thing with with the law, with what. What uh, the 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 people of Israel, the law that God gave them, it a lot of it had to do with how are we going to live in relationship with God and how we're going to how we're going to live in relationship with each other. Um, so I just wanted to throw that out there. But yes, I know that's a little side note, but I just want to make sure that we don't we don't uh, just go too crazy about the defending side without addressing that. Uh, the the that the law and then the government, there is a big important factor there, and it's care as well, care for the people within the nation. So I just want right. to throw that out there. Well, the yeah.
4: care, the the care though was designed that that people could, um, they could produce for themselves in peace, right? Um, when when a, when you have government that runs well, the people should be secure to start businesses and to plant and 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 sow and reap, right? Um the, the kingdom of God is is this beautiful picture of sowing and reaping. And it's it's really a picture of faith. So when we are uh you know I I don't know uh how old everybody is. I didn't realize when Mike invited me, I think I'm the oldest guy in the room now. So I'm, 40, <laughs> I'm 43. I've got a 19 year old son and a 17 year old daughter. I thought and you were my
0: age. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. you're Pretty
4: young. Thanks man. Um, but, but, uh, you know, raising kids changes how you see things. Um, they could nurse, you know, from my wife when they were little, and I can take that only so long. And then, and then I want them to grow up and begin to learn to you know, use what I've given them wisely. But now that my son's 19 years old, I want him the heck out of my house, right? I love him, but I haven't been raising a baby forever. I'm producing a son. And as such, I expect work ethic and I expect you to study. And I expect you to bust your tail and to follow for my example of busting your tail. My care of my son is my boot in his tail, out pushing him out the door towards life. You know, God even gives us this example in, 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 uh, in nature, you know, and, and Romans chapter one says, look at nature because nature is a witness of God. Look at the eagle. You know, the eagle creates a 1200 pound nest up in the tree and it raised it it really will rip the feathers out of its own chest in order to make a beautiful nest for its eaglets but there's a point where the mom and dad rip all the feathers out of the nest pull all the sticks up to make it nice and prickly and literally the father eagle will boot the eaglet out of the nest it's fly or die man and of course he will get down there to try and try and soften that fall if that eagle doesn't put his wings out. But the point is not to have a freeloading eaglet in your life forever. And, and what we've done in many cases is we create, um, we, we we want to incentivize people to risk. That's the beauty of America. And that's the beauty of being safe within, within um, you know, having government that keeps people safe. You know, something we didn't bring up here, right out of, uh, you know, if we go back to the scriptures and we all believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God, it also has to do with how we handle crime. Because what did God do whenever he did the flood? He essentially did capital punishment upon all the evildoers in the world, save eight. And then he says, when he comes out, he says, look, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to give this to mankind. And now he says this. Here's how I feel about violence. He who sheds man's blood by man shall his blood be shed. God takes this idea of preserving safety and freedom for a people, and he puts it into the hands of government. And then he says, and you do what I did. And of course, you know, there's people who say, well, you know, capital punishment is wrong. Well, actually, actually having a a way to deal with, with sinful people who are trying to destroy each other is part of what government is supposed to do. And when we turn around and we say, oh, no, that's playing God. That's not playing God when God told us to play God. When God says, look, I don't want you to have to worry about being attacked from every place. I want you to have peace and safety. Now sow and reap and provide for your family." It's not the same as asking government to provide for you. Yeah. What they're to do is create a safe place for you to be able to provide for your own.
0: Now, now that that great great stuff. Thank you for that. Before going to Jeff regarding this, I have a question regarding that because yes, uh, God passed that over to us. Now, throughout history, even in the times of the scripture, we see men not using not 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 being using that power and that authority responsibly. And we're seeing that. We're seeing that a lot right now with the police brutality that we're seeing. And, and just so you know, I'm, I'm not for the whole abolishing police. Just so you know, I do think that we need to make some changes and a lot of improvements and all that. But we're seeing that now. We've seen it throughout history. We see Jesus stepping in um, to save a woman that was about to be stoned. These were men that were placed in, in a position of that authority to make that decision of, um, you know, killing this woman for her act, for her actions, but then Jesus stepping into that. So, so I think that's, I I think, I think uh, it, I, I don't think that we are doing a great job at being responsible for that. And I think that needs to be, that, that definitely needs to be addressed and, and we can't just, it's not it's interesting because it's more complex than how we're saying it and how, you know, I don't want to make this. So on the on the side of grace, I do agree with you that there are consequences for our actions. And I do I do agree with that. But I I personally don't think we should be playing God because we are very irresponsible with it. We are Will very we? respons irresponsible with making decisions like that. And we've seen it throughout history. We've seen it lately how people lose their lives at the hands of irresponsible people with that place of authority. So, so um,
4: Perry, yeah, I ahead. would say this. Okay. First off, let's go back to the woman uh, caught in the act of adultery that you brought up. Um, he that is without sin, let him be the first to cast the stone. Okay. So the reason that that story is that way, we be, I think we need to be careful to draw a policy that erases a former policy of God out of that story. Jesus is the only one who is without sin in that, in that story. And he had the right to, to condemn that woman. She was probably naked laying there, caught in the very act of adultery. He does say to her, you know, I, you know I, I, it says that he writes in the, in the dirt. Well, I wonder what he wrote in the dirt. I wonder if he didn't write different sins in the dirt, and then maybe the sins of the men who had the rocks in their hands. And then he says, whoever is without sin, let him, him, him be the first to cast a stone. And Jesus is saying, I'm the only one here who has the right to do that. Do you know the difference between you and me? Right? He's actually establishing his lordship. And, and, and he looks at her when these men realize their problem. They realize their own sin. They throw it down and they walk away. And he says, where's, where's your accuser? And he says, he's gone, Lord. And he says, neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. So, this is a story that has to do with Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So, we need to be careful that when we're understanding what Jesus was accomplishing and showing his person versus a public policy. Did the woman, the woman, she deserved death according to the law of Moses. Was Moses wrong whenever he said that? He got that word directly from God. Is God schizophrenic? Does God not know what he said before? No, no it's establishing that God is now speaking again. He's there present. Nowhere does it say that, that that capital punishment was ever done away with. And to your point that we don't handle this very well, here's what I would say. Why is it that in our government, we have established, it's not a perfect system, Larry. So, I concede that mistakes are made and, and sometimes good people are punished. But our founders, not wanting that to be the case, made such a low threshold of what's called reasonable doubt. All you have to do is convince a jury of your peers that there's reasonable doubt because we would rather let the guilty go free than punish the innocent. And it favors the lawbreaker, not not government. We let more guilty people go in the American system than we punish. And the truth is, is that is a system because we so believe in compassion and justice that we would rather let the guilty go free than punish the innocent. And that was the brilliance of our founding fathers who understood that we can go wrong. We also have, you can, you can have an appeal. You can go through multiple appeals, but at what case, at what point do we go, well, we really have no intention of actually doing what you said, Lord. And where, do, where does the fear of, of the punishment and the wrath uh, uh, that's upon sin, you know, Romans chapter 13 talks about the officer carries not the sword in vain. Is he just carrying that sword as a, as a, as a possibility that he would use it? The, the, the officer is not the one who is supposed to kill. He's supposed to bring them to the courts and the court mandates that they're killed, but then they must be killed. In which case, what it does is it safeguards all those that are righteous. You realize that hell itself is a punishment to keep the, un- the unbelieving world away from the kingdom of heaven, which is, which is the believing world? Like, God practices this himself. He destines these people who do not believe and carry the same spirit of rebellion. He says, look, if you want to live that way, Jesus even said, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. If that's the way you're going to do this, then I'm going to let you have the just results of your sin, which is death.
5: Preach. Yeah, that's good. I, you know, Ben Franklin, I'll add to that. He said he'd rather see a hundred go free, a hundred guilty men go free than one innocent men, man uh, found guilty. So our founding fathers absolutely um, were trying to create a system where it was hard to convict somebody. It was hard Mm -hmm. for the justice system to squash them because they knew government They knew tyrannical government. That's why they that's why the insurrection of 1776 was such a powerful statement, because they they were saying, give me liberty or give me death. They knew they honestly they were going up against the world superpower. They probably felt like it was going to end in death. And for a lot of them, it did. The 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence gave up a lot of stuff. They gave up their properties, their families. They were tortured. They were killed in in most cases, but they were willing to do it. Because they were so sick and tired of a government who was bearing down on them and and making unjust policies and unjust rulings that that really hurt their, them and their families. So so I think you know we're saying the same thing as Larry. I, I don't want to see injustice happen in the poli- in law enforcement. If there is a if there is a crony cop out there that that is doing things he shouldn't be doing, well then let justice let the hammer of justice fall and let it fall yeah. swiftly and let it let it fall hard. Uh, because th- that's unacceptable. But I, I also think, I also think that we can't just, like you said, you, you, you're you not advocating for it, but defunding the police, that cry that we heard this summer was, I mean, how, how foolish. I mean, what a stupid thing to say, you know, defund the police. The police are, they're, they're ministers from heaven is what the Lord calls them. They're They're sent to defend us. That's what he says about our, those who are, who are called to defend us in the, in government, they're ministers sent from heaven. So, so all that to say, I, I agree with Nathan, uh, you know, a hundred percent on what he was saying about, you know, capital punishment and and the God's call on the government to keep its people
2: safe.
0: Awesome, awesome. Sorry, I just realized I was muted, <laughs> um, but but thank you, <laughs> Jeff. Uh, sorry.
2: Yeah, uh, a couple of things. Um, uh, um, some of the things that that I have a problem with in terms of. Uh, connecting scripture with government or politics is that a lot of times it sounds like we're imposing liberal, democratic politics on scripture, and we impose it on certain texts, but we don't impose them on others. You you get what I'm saying? And so, Could you give feel, an example? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so for example, um, one of the things Micah mentioned about how God calls countries to establish militaries in order to defend the people by by violent means um that's what you said and again i'm not i'm just asking questions right and first most the first question is from what text do you draw that from um and and then Ecclesiastes three ecclesiastes three three okay yeah, verse eight. And, and what does it say
5: it's, there's says everything, there's a season. There's a season to love and there's a season to hate. There's a season for war and there's a season for peace. Absolutely, God calls us to go to war at times. Oh, okay. He's not calling the family to go to war. He's not calling the church to go to war. He's calling the, the government to go to war.
2: Okay, and so the way you're approaching it is from a literal interpretation. You're, in, you're interpreting it literally and you're isolating that verse from the rest of the book, which Ecclesiastes is, Ecclesiastes is, a, is a book of poetry.
4: Jeffrey, can I, okay. can, I offer yeah, yeah. A, can I offer a historical one from yeah from yeah,
3: yeah yeah
4: yeah yeah okay so so God is the uh, God is is El Shaddai He's the mighty one of Israel He was the champion of Israel to go out and fight fight battles for the people and He does it in miraculous ways We see it throughout Scripture, mm-hmm. but He also says when when uh, the people came and they said We want a king like all the other nations," then um, in that text. Uh, Samuel takes it very personally because he's the judge of Israel and there was not a a standing army. They would call to the tribes and they would say, come and fight. Uh, The enemy is coming up against us. And the tribes would answer. Well, when when this particular story happens, um, you know, they they want a king to go out before them rather than God to go out before them. And so then they say, uh, he says, he says, they're rejecting me is what Samuel say. And actually, and, and, and God says, Samuel, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me because they don't trust me. They, they want a king. So give them a king. If that's what they want, give them a king. But tell them that that king will take their sons, right? Will take their sons and put them in their army. Tell them that it will take their daughters and will put them in his palace, So, you have the establishment of what will be in place of the El Shaddai, the mighty one of Israel going out before. Now, God establishes that Israel will have a standing army under the king. So, this is the way God wanted his people to operate. Even when he didn't really want to give them a king, he tells them, this is the structure.
2: But but I think the important part there, and I don't know what we make of this, but is that by doing that, we were re- they were rejecting God. The establishment of a king and, and hence the army or the military was based off a rejection of God himself.
4: Okay, Jeffrey, but in the same sense, you could say, well, whenever we rejected God in Eden, then the laws of sin and death came into place, which would then, then put into place the law of, of capital punishment down the line after the days of Noah, which had to happen for where we were. When we, when we have these things, you know, and we, we get to a point, like, we know that Jesus is, I mean, I assume everybody in the room believes that Jesus is coming again, right? Mm-hmm. We assume yeah. that, that the millennial reign of Christ is going to happen, where he's going to rule and reign here on earth. And, 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 but until then, he has established and said, you're in this waiting period between here. And he's told us, this is how I want Israel to operate and Israel were the children of God and then he even said hey there's going to be different times i'm going to call the men to come and fight and and it's not like david was a man who killed his tens of thousands in war and god called him a man after his own heart it was only one place he also he, he also a
2: raped a woman he, uh, david also raped a woman and he was still called uh, a, a man after god's heart
4: okay so I I do not argue that David yeah you know, whether you call it rape or he seduced her or he no, asked was her, however you want to say it okay he did a wicked thing before the Lord I'm named after the prophet who comes and says you're the man who's who's screwing up like this right okay. um, and but but I will say that I I think that you have to look at it and go, he, he was a man after God's own heart while being a great general. Like God gives him victories in violence. We have the Holy Spirit falling upon different men in the Bible and a spirit of anger comes upon them and they kill in that moment. So war is not innately evil. It's, it's not. It is, that's why we don't accuse our soldiers of murder when they come home, unless they've done war crimes and they've crossed the, 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 the articles of war. And they've gone past that. Being a warrior doesn't make one a murderer.
2: Yeah, I think um, um, one of the things that I've tried to work on is amplifying the definition of the word violence. Because a lot of times we'll use the word violence and and we'll simply define it as this, as killing somebody with a gun, right? And for me, violence is is, is deeper than that. Violence, yeah. So for me, there, there's no one way to define it. But and let me explain this. So we were talk. you were talking about how God established like God came and 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 and, and God on our level and, and gave us what we needed at the time in terms of government. But all that war, all that, all that, that it, it, it resulted from Genesis on after the fall, it was a downward spiral that led to exile and so then you can you can justify war you can justify violence but at the end it ended in exile and again i'm not i'm not saying that that's what's going to happen to the church or anything like that or to the, the united states but if you want to read the Hebrew scripture where I want to emphasize, this is a Hebrew scripture. This is Israel's text, not our text, the Israel's text. It was their text first. And if we want to read it in narrative form and and, and we want to be faithful to the text, um, that's how it ends. It ends in exile and then Jesus comes as the savior. Jesus comes, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian. I believe in that, but all this war, all this fighting, it ends in exile, but not only that, it, this war not only it it affects negatively the Israelites themselves. What yes. what is what what do the prophets what do the prophets call call out? They they call out the injustice that that uh, some of some of the most vulnerable people were facing because of the things Israel was doing, the political alliances they were forming that negatively affected the 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 most vulnerable of these people. And so I'm not saying I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying that there are nuances to this. And, and when we read and when we read the Old Testament from a Hebrew perspective, first from a Hebrew perspective and then from a Christian perspective, um, the Old Testament is a reflection of the life of Israel and the things they did wrong and how they would want to fix it. You, you read Jeremiah and you read the prophets and it's a reflection of this is what happened. And we need to change. This is not the way. You get what I'm saying?
4: Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I appreciate, I think, um, what, what you're calling out in way of the things that are wrong in, in society that God is wanting to correct. I will tell you, the greatest sin you see in Scripture is idolatry. That's the foundational sin of the entire Old Testament. Yeah. Anytime we place something above Christ, we create idols. He he turns around and he says, This is what's caused us. I, that's the thing I love about the prophets. Yeah. The prophet can stick his finger right in your face and say, This is what the Lord has said. And he can nail you and say, This is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and this is going to happen. But it's all because you have left the Lord your God. You've abandoned your husband because we're the, we're the, uh, you know, Israel was the wife, Judah was yeah. the wife. The church is the wife, and we've played the whore. And he calls us back to that first love of coming back to him. Nothing can be right in society apart from getting the relationship with God correct, because that's the beauty of freedom of religion. That's what our founders understood. If we don't have freedom of religion, we can't come back to God when we mess up so terribly. The beauty is God says, but I can heal you. I can change this. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Everything is this. I can fix what you break if you come to me. So to Heidi's question that she asked a little later, sweetheart, um, you, you talked about this prayer that was offered right? It wasn't that it was offered by a black man that was the problem. It has nothing to do with the color of the skin of the man who offered the prayer. It was in whose name did he offer the prayer? Brahma? Brahma's no God at all. In in the book of Galatians chapter 1, Paul lays out and he says, look, if anybody comes preaching any other gospel but the one that I gave to you, even if he's an angel, let him be accursed. When this man who was a United, he's a United Methodist ordained minister stands up and equates the God of Israel to the God Brahma or to Allah, these are not the same yes. God. These are not the same God. And, 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 and to, to take the Lord of glory and bring his name down to be equivalent with some foreign deity. That is no God at all. That was the offense. Yeah. That was what Micah was responding to. You make a mockery of my name. I'll make a mockery of your sacred government temple. And I, I don't have a real problem with what he said in that capacity. I, 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 I believe that God is a God of irony. You read the scriptures all through it, man. He's like, he. there's poetic justice all through the scriptures. And it's God saying, I'm not going to let you get away with that. That don't don't think I didn't see the details and the nuances. Hmm. And, and 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 so it doesn't have to do with the color of his skin it has to do with that man betrayed the name of Jesus. We can't even brand the name of Jesus. They just removed the gender role the gender uh, things. Do you realize we couldn't say our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name in the halls of congress right now? Cuz you can't say the word father. Jesus wouldn't even be asked to come preach, the, uh, to, to teach on how to pray. You certainly wouldn't have him saying "and amen and a woman at the end of his prayer. I mean, this is ridiculous.
0: We have yeah. lost our minds. Past, Pastor Nathan, thank you for that. I, and, and I want to and I'll let him, I'll let Micah uh, share, share, explain, uh, you know, where he was coming from. And and to be honest with you, uh, regarding Heidi's question, I agree. I agree that was not okay in my eyes, as far as as a Christian and knowing that the true living God. Right. I'm I'm 100 percent with you on that. Now, here is where we had an issue with this, with what Micah said. Right. It's not so much that he's wrong for uh, calling out the fact that a false God was invoked. Right. Uh, Or however you want to call it. It's not that it's the fact that that was the cause of God's wrath out of, out of everything. We don't even have to go that far. Let's just talk about 2020 and, and, and everything we saw in 2020, as far as the racial injustice, the silence of God's people to denounce that, that Mm -hmm. injustice right so i i don't i don't i don't and i'm not saying everybody i know i know i know there and and i i will say can i just give give honor to pastor nathan in in i i went i went that far back fam and And I saw because I wanted to know where you stood on on these matters. And I got to I got to give you honor in that sense that you did speak out against the racial injustice. You did give space for conversation about the racism and about the racial injustice. So I I do want to make sure I I, I say that. But I I think that I, I felt. And it, it came across and maybe and maybe that's something that we have to do is maybe explain ourselves a little better, because when I w- when I heard what Micah said in that video, it hurt because I was thinking, well, where was God's wrath in everything that's been happening and all the injustice that that's it's been the foundation, the foundation
2: of the US? Where, exactly, where has because, God's wrath been?
0: Because. Just as idolatry is such a big sin, we know God is so passionate about seeing justice we know we know we know that's 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 a big passion that's a big thing that 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 God is God is calling us to fight for to fight for justice so what what I'm trying to say here is i I don't disagree I didn't disagree fully with Micah as far as you know God is upset, but why? Why now, why now, why, why, in this particular thing, and why 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 didn't we see it, or why aren't we saying it? it's because of it's because of uh this this moment, but it's also because of mm-hmm. all the injustice we've seen, yeah, Larry, that's a great question Wait, I,
1: my, my i think you um misinterpreted my question, my um point of view is i agree i uh, I believe that Jesus is our savior. I believe that God should be the God of all people. However, I had a problem with him justifying the acts on the Capitol. I had a problem with the justification that you guys are using for God's wrath. I don't know if you know this, but a police officer died in the Capitol. He was beaten by those rioters, by those violent people. A woman died. So for you to justify the horrific acts that happened, for you to justify that in the name of God explaining it as his wrath simply because somebody praised another name is like you justifying the fact that in history, this has happened before. People have lost their lives for praising another name. So for you to justify that is to me, you're justifying all the other things that have happened since Heidi, the no, beginning of the United States.
4: Heidi, nobody's- People have been praising that, another name. I think that that's, I don't think that that's what Micah did. I don't think- just, No, I, except I think he, he I don't think it's
5: justification. I I, I would I would
4: So you think, think
1: it's an explanation for what happened? I
5: mean hey Heidi, do you think can that's I pose the
1: reason po- why?
5: Heidi, can I, I pose a question to you? Is that outside of God's character to send a riot into Washington? Does he not do that?
1: I I am not in the position to answer that question because I know that I am not properly educated to answer that. I, however, I, I do know better. Time. How however I do know times. better. However, I do know better than to justify that in the name of Jesus yeah. because justi- I believe
5: I wasn't justifying that Heidi if right. I can so
1: answer you were, so on,
0: you were I'm, sorry. I
5: would say- I'm sorry guys real I was quick, real I quick, saying that the riots were okay go ahead Larry I'm
0: sorry yes uh you're Micah I believe you weren't justifying it I believe it but you can't dismiss how it came across to us how sure. you communicated it that's how it came across and 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 it- and mind you, this is somebody this is coming from somebody that knows your heart that or to sure. a certain extent and, and is a friend and loves you. And and I've I've for a long time, there's a lot of things I've disagreed with, with with some of the things you've said. But I haven't I haven't had that conversation because I I didn't want I didn't want it to to affect our relationship in a negative way, not because you were going to respond bad, but because of how I was uh, feeling emotionally about it. Right. So but with this in particular, Micah, that's how it came across, Micah, because the response and not just yours, but multiple conservative Christians, even Trump himself, the response was different in denouncing the, these riots versus what happened last year. And that was my issue. That's what hurt. That's what hurt the heart, because the response was very different. These weren't thugs anymore. These weren't thugs anymore. These were patriots. Right. So, so that is, that is what I am. I'm, I'm, I'm upset about. And I think that's what Heidi's upset about. And here's the problem, Micah. And this is what I've been, I've been pondering on. I think your intentions aren't bad. I think, and and that's why I I wanted to touch on that, but we kind of got carried away. But what, what (laughs) pastor Nathan said was true in the beginning Our our intentions our intentions are very important. But it's we have to we have to make those intentions clear. We have to make we have to we have to put an effort in in communicating those intentions clearly because and especially when you're at in a in a I think I think and, and I'm I, I would I'd be surprised if you don't agree with me, but the higher your leadership, the higher that authority, the, the higher that platform that was the higher the responsibility, the the bigger the responsibility. And so I think there is a bigger responsibility, especially now with social media, how easy it is to communicate. There's a responsibility in being very clear because we that part of the phone phone call that we had part of the conversation. You told me I am against racial injustice. Right. You said that to me. I am against I am against it. Right. Now, I I would have never known that. And maybe you have said it, but it's always tied your your your. If 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 you've ever said it, I'm sure that it's been tied to your political agenda or what you want to say regarding your politics stance and your polit- political ideology. And and that's the issue, because then it's it, that message that I I wanted to hear that message of I am against racial injustice was distorted by everything else you said. And that is why I was honoring pastor Nathan, because when I went and and went back to see the post that you posted, it wasn't distorted by anything else. You may have had other uh, stances on these things and and other things you, you, but it was separate. Your message was clear on, I stand against this and I'm standing with my black brothers and sisters through this. Hey,
4: Mike, can I, can I, uh, Say one thing that I
0: yeah no okay that's Um, what love by the way love love yeah okay so here's
4: a uh, I I know that we probably have unbelievers watching us right now right but the vast majority of this conversation is really probably two believers would we agree with that okay absolutely Um, so. So when we come, you know, and I kind of tried to ask, hey, do we all believe that the Bible is inerrant? Do we all start on the same place, right? Does the Bible contain the word of God or is it the word of God, right? So talking to people who may not understand this, if you're out here listening to this podcast, to, to talk about this particular thing is to understand something called the gifts of Christ, The gift of Christ are in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, and it says that he gave some to be apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and evangelists to train up the saints for works of service. So in the church, you have ministers of the gospel, though they may have the word pastor in front of them, that might not be their number one, that that might not be the, the calling that they were really called to. We just call all leaders in the church, generally We call them pastors, Um, but there are different ones and different ones speak with different voices. And uh, so you'll hear this talked about is the five fold ministry gifts of Christ, right? These are literally people that God gives. So when you understand that these gifts are going to come off very, very differently to our hearts, they're gonna hit our emotions different. They they speak the truth of God, but they speak the truth of God in different, in, in, in different ways. In the Old Testament, almost all the prophets were killed, almost every one of them, right? Hebrews chapter 12 tells us a story. I mean, these people were sawn in half, right? Um and the Pharisees all got on, well, we would have li- listened to the prophets, and they decorated their tombs and, and whatnot. But in truth, Jesus says, yeah, but you're actually going to do worse to me, and I'm the son of God. You know, they, the prophet is just, I'm going to be honest, the prophet's not liked. Nobody likes it when the prophet speaks, because the prophet sees things very black and white. Now, when I say the prophet, it doesn't mean that he's calling out us. There's two ways of the prophetic. There's foretelling and there's foretelling. One is to say what God has said and to set God's holy standard and to say, this is is what God has said. Here's what his word speaks. There's foretelling, which says, and this is going to occur, which actually prophetically tells you what is going to occur in history. So I'm not saying that Micah is foretelling the future, but he is definitely foretelling what it is that the Lord has said in his holy standard. Prophets are not liked. You know who the gift everybody likes? The pastor gift. Because the pastor gift is warm and friendly. the pastor gift wraps his arms around you he's the shepherd he's he comes off with such compassion and it seems that in our world the world loves the pastor gift but hates the prophet gift and yet both gifts are gifts of Christ. you have the apostolic gift is this gift of structure it sees things and says, let's put these things into an order so that everything can grow if the if the if, if those five Five gifts were the hand, the 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 apostle gift would be the thumb. It brings those other four gifts together and it releases those four gifts to do God's will in the world. But the prophet, many times he has his finger in your face. And nobody likes your finger in a finger in their face, and yet God uses this one. The pinky. Is probably more the pastor gift. He's soft and gentle. And it's really funny. Can you really make the two very touch very easily? Not, not easily. Mm-hmm. They're kind of different parts of the hand. They have a different function, but they're still what Christ gave to us. What you're hearing that 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 is tough to hear, that you resist, you go, is God really doing this? Mm-hmm. Is God really behind this? I don't think that what Michael was doing was. Justifying it. I, I think maybe that's a, a wrong look at it. What I think he was doing was saying, when did you think that the that that God would finally get fed up? Hmm. And 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 to your question, Larry, that you brought up, why this and not all these other things throughout the hundreds of years? Well, I'll give you a perfect example in the Old Testament. Do you remember the people that were constantly harassing the people of God? And the Lord told Samuel, go and tell Saul, wipe them out. Man, woman, and children, wipe them out for their fullness of their wickedness. It's now the day to deal with them. There was a day in the past that they were not to be wiped out. And then we finally get to a point where God says, do it. And why is it that Saul did not remain king? Because he did not fully do what God had said. He spared Agag and he spared the sheep and he spared the best of, uh, of that people. God does have a point where he goes, enough's enough. I have permitted you to go on. Nineveh is a great example. Nineveh, the Ninevites were terrible people. They're all, every thought was towards violence. And God says, go tell them I'm going to wipe them out in 30 days if they don't change. But they did change when they came and repented and heard the word of Jonah. God says, okay, in my mercy, I'm going to delay. We've had a number of wicked things happen in our nation. There's no doubt about it. And, and, but here's the great thing I think that we need to take hold of. We've been trying to do a more perfect union. You know, back in the very beginning, there was a number of states that wanted to deal with the slavery issue right then and there. And they promised that they would deal with it in a period of time. And, you know, people pushed it off and kicked the can down the road. But, you know, we finally had 700,000 Americans who died to make that right. And even though it didn't fix everything in a moment, it was still us creating a more perfect union. Yeah. Thank and you. I would like to say that we need to have an understanding of all of what God is mm-hmm. doing over time and not our limited perspective yeah. of what we understand.
0: And, and I, I agree with everything that you said. I agree that the, that the prophet is very in your face, but again, and, and, and I'm going to give it to Michael right now, but again, it's not the same energy. It's you, you, we di- we're not, it's not, you, you didn't bring that energy of in your face last year in speaking out against the racial injustice and against, against the injustice that we've been seeing, right? It wasn't the same energy. If you did say something about it, it wasn't the same energy. So so then it goes back to saying it goes back to that whole thing of the prophet. The prophet is always in your face. Well, this that was that we're not we're not. Why are we not keeping that same energy when we're talking about this, the racial injustice that we're seeing? It's not the same. So it's a little contradicting. But I agree with what you said and what we expect from different leaders and all of that. But again, it wasn't the same energy. So, Michael, go ahead, bro.
5: Yeah. So to put it on levels for you, I'll say that racial injustice and abortion are kind of on the same level for me. I, I hate abortion. I hate racial injustice. I fight them equally. I, I, I feel like I bring that amount of energy to, the, to both fights. I, don't, I hate it when I see injustice, when people using power and authority to hurt people uh, that don't have power and authority, that when the helpless are victimized, that there's nothing in me that burns me more than that, right? Except for one thing, and that's when I see our, my family or my church or my nation idolize something more than, than God himself. When I see that, to me, that is the pinnacle of wickedness. And so when I saw what happened on the opening prayer of the 117th Congress, the Lord spoke to me so clearly. And you can say, I, I don't hear from the Lord or whatnot. I don't care. I'm just telling you what I, what I heard the Lord tell me. He said that was an abomination to my name. You made a mockery of my name. And there's nothing more sacred than the name of the Lord. I know we can say racial injustice is terrible and abortion is terrible, but there's nothing more wicked than making an abomination of the name of the Lord God of hosts. That is the thing that burns him just like, and it should burn all of us who are believers. When they take the sacred and they profane it, that should make us totally totally burned with righteous anger. And so when I saw that, the Lord just spoke to me. He said, you made a mockery of my name for all the heavens to see. It's not a coincidence that three days later, I made a mockery of your house for all the world to see. And that was what the Lord told me. It wasn't justifying that, but it is saying that God did bring those rioters to Washington. And I'll say that again. And if you think I'm, I'm mad for saying that, go back and look at script, scripture. In 2 in Chronicles 36, who brought Nebuchadnezzar in the Chaldeans to destroy Judah. It was God. He said, Of the wicked king, he said, My servant Nebuchadnezzar will come in and he will riot and he will loot and he will destroy your king, your, your nation. And the king Zedekiah, Zedekiah was killed. His children were killed. They, it says that they treated the virgins horribly. They killed their sons and treated the virgins horribly. And it was the Lord of hosts who sent Nebuchadnezzar in to riot and loot. God's God is not a God who will be mocked. And we have totally lost the fear of God in America. And so my video, Heidi, was that righteous anger. We've lost the fear of God and we think we can mock the name of God in our highest house and our nation and get away with that. We are sadly mistaken. We're foolish if we believe that. And I I hate racial injustice and I hate abortion. But man, when I see our nation that was built on biblical principles and on the name of the Lord of heaven and earth. And when I see us mock his name now in our highest house, that to me was, it was, it was cosmic, the earth shattering ripple effects in the cosmic realm and the supernatural realm. I don't think we will fully know until we get to heaven someday, but, but that's where I was coming from, Heidi, when I was saying that it's not to justify the wickedness and the Lord isn't justifying the wickedness, but he will use wicked in his hand as a tool if he needs to, he didn't create it but he will use it. And that's what we saw, I think, this past week and why or the past week and a half in Washington.
0: Jeff. You're, you're, muted, you're muted, Jeff.
2: I appreciate you guys being honest. Um, 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 yeah, I appreciate that. And a couple of things I want to mention. Uh, three points, really. The first one is the topic of freedom of religion, which is something that we've been talking about. Um, that's Kind of uh, etched in and out of the conversation, and my question is: Do you think that that we're f- freedom of religion means only Christians get to practice their faith, or the person that called upon the name of that false god also gets to practice their faith? Um, yeah. So because then oh go ahead because then if 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 it's only Christians who have the freedom to practice their religion, then we get into some pretty muddy waters. Uh, in terms of Amer- the United States colonial past, um, in my opinion, um, I think the way I interpret freedom of religion is you're free to practice whatever religion you're a part of, um, whatever religion you associate with. Um, w- w- how do you how do you interpret that? Could
4: could could I just say though, Jeffrey, okay. that that's the thing that was so it wasn't just a man who came from India, you know, I've, I've been to India, you know, five times in the last seven years, right? Uh, you know, I, I understand when people are raised um, in false religion, you know, uh, let's be honest, if we're going to be Christians, we're going to say that Christ is the way, the truth and the life and no man comes unto the father by, but by him, that is an exclusive statement. It means and I mean what Paul says, they're you know, these are real and really no gods at all, because they're not real gods. There's only one living God, right? So so think about how offensive just saying that statement is, but as as Christians. But when it comes to religion, I don't look, if people have never tasted of the heavenly gift, then I I have mercy on them. They are are ignorant of the truth and the light of Jesus Christ. I want them to receive the gospel. But this man who did this was a Christian, a Christian, united Methodist, ordained minister. It was tantamount to betrayal. It's not monotheism that makes anything uh, who cares about whether it's one God or many gods or whatever. He was trying to make monotheism the big deal. It wasn't monotheism that's a big deal. It's the mighty name of Jesus. And if you've noticed, they haven't been praying in the name of Jesus in that house for a long time. They just end their prayers. Amen. Well, if you don't pray to Jesus, you're eventually going to pray to a different God. And that's exactly what they did. They literally got there. So when it comes to freedom of religion, I let's, I, okay, so, this kind of, this kind of goes to, how do you read the constitution? Do you read the constitution as to what you think it means today? Or do you go back and read it from the strict constructionist perspective that says, this is what it meant in, in, in the late 1700s. Because if you don't recognize that these statements have to do with what they just broke away from in England and in England, what did they do? They moved from a Catholic faith to the Anglican faith. But there was never any question of Islam in that statement. When, they, when our founders write freedom of religion, they're not thinking of what, what, what uh, they actually used to call the Muslim men, which were the Muslims. The Muslims weren't even here. Thomas Jefferson's the first guy to buy, the, uh, to buy a copy of the Quran because he's going through the Barbary the the the, uh, the the experience with the Barbary pirates, you know, uh, from the malls, halls of Montezuma to the shores of Tripoli kind of thing. Right. So when you look at history and go, what was the document written to? It wasn't how the 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 Muslims going to come and practice this in America. It's not how the witch is going to practice this in America or the Wiccan. It's how are Christian men going to read the book? Religion was not its wide scope. It was how do Christian men read the Bible? I come from Pennsylvania. Pittsburgh is my home. The Quaker religion with William Penn. One of the things William Penn did is he said, look, if you have different ways that you read the book, you're not going to experience great persecution in Pennsylvania. Come to Pennsylvania. We cannot separate the founding of the document and the history where it was. That's why another reason why I love Trump's appointments in the Supreme Court, because these men are going to view it or these women as strict constructionists. They're going to go back and say, this is what the language meant then. And now we can apply it out to our day. But you don't get to change what it meant
5: then. And and, I, and that's great. I, I'll I'll echo what Nathan was saying there. It, it is not. When we look at our founding, uh, Jeffrey, it was founded on Christianity. It was founded on the biblical principles that heaven ordained as right and wrong. We see that through many of our founding fathers' writings. They, it, they, what they, if they would have seen what happened on, on the opening of the 117th Congress, they would have just been rolling in their grave. Um, you know, even Patrick Henry said it cannot be too emphasized or emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians, not by religions, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ for this very reason that people of other faiths have been afforded asylum, prosperity and freedom of worship here. So he's saying Patrick Henry is saying that it's the Christian faith that sets people free to be mm-hmm. able to worship how they want to worship. It's not the Islam faith. We, we know how Islam practices. You worship how they want you to worship or they're going to cut your head off you're an infidel in there. We, it's not the, it's not the, that's, hindu-
2: a, ge- that's a generalization.
1: That's yeah. not,
5: oh, uh, okay. Well go to Iran and tell them that because they'll disagree with you. So anyway, all that to say that it is founded on the Christian principles of freedom. And so when we remove those freedom principle or those Christian principles, guess what? In our nation, the fabric is going to crumble. And so we were, we're unlike many nations. We were founded on biblical truths. All right. And so that means that if we have to maintain our success is going to be tied to do we honor those truths or our failures are going to be tied to do we disobey those truths. And even George Washington in his first inaugural address in 1789, he said it from New York City. He he gave his opening address and he went into a a chapel in New York City. He gave a prophetic word. I don't know if he knew he was being prophetic or not, but he gave a prophetic word in this then this little chapel called St. John's um, uh, Chapel. And he said, he said, America, this is the first president at the first inauguration of our nation. He says, America, if you turn from heaven's ordained ways of right and wrong, you cannot expect the protections and the blessings of the God of heaven and earth, he basically said, "If we don't do what God says is right, then we cannot expect His blessings." Do you know where? Do you know where St. John's uh, Chapel is located? At the time, they owned a lot of land in New York, and part of the land outside the chapel was later sold to developers. And 200, and, and 200 years down the road, it was there were two towers that were built on that land, and it was the Twin Towers in New York City. He was speaking, literally George Washington was speaking on the property that would later be one of the most tragic events of our nation's history during the 9-11 attacks. And he was saying, America, you will not have protection if you turn from the God of heaven and earth, the one true God. And why why do you think those towers were, were struck down? It's because the Lord pulled his hand to protection off of us. He said, America, you're walking away from your foundations. You're walking away from me. You're doing exactly what Israel did. And that's why we, that's why we saw, I think that's why we saw the 9-11 attacks. God pulled his hand of protection off of us.
2: Micah, and, and that was a perfect transition. You're reading my mind because um kind of going back to the point of, of God inciting and leading insurrections. So I, I, I have two examples that I want to bring to you. Uh, because I, I don't I don't agree with that. Um, but um, that's your stance. And I want to know what you think. Um, so you think do you think 9-11 was judgment on the United States and God? Caused no, it?
5: I, no, I don't think it was judgment, nor do I think the nor do I think the attack on the Capitol was judgment. I think it's a shaking. I think the Lord is shaking us and saying, wake up. My wrath and my mercy is not some or my wrath and my justice is not something to to mess with. Wake up, America. Come back to me or else there will be really bad consequences. So for it's, you it's, down the
2: road. it's an act of judgment. Essentially, you're, you're, just, just, you're just calling it a shaking. shaking. You're yeah. calling it a shaking, but it's an act of judgment. My other example that I wanted to bring up was a rebellion that happened in the eighteen hundreds uh, uh, from a slave called Nat Turner, who he uh, it's called Nat Turner's rebellion. And he was a slave. And Matt Turner was having apocalyptic visions uh, that he would describe as coming from God. And essentially what happened was that in those visions, he would see himself killing his white masters. Um, But he felt like they were from God Um, and he did it. He killed his white masters. He he woke up one night and finally did it. And eventually he was killed, but he was trying to earn his freedom. And he felt like that was from god um what, what do you think about that? Do you think God is capable of leading a slave rebellion like nat Turner's
5: yeah absolutely I mean okay. we see that in scripture he he did that often uh he would he would call people to take up arms and and to fight for justice. I think that's not outside you know it's you, we have a hard time in America wrestling with the fact that God could really be a just wrathful God, because we only know Jesus in America as the good shepherd. We don't know him as the warrior king. You know, Exodus 15, three says the Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name, the, the Jesus that's going to be riding back on that white horse when he comes back commanding heaven's armies. It's going to it's going to shock a lot yeah. of people in America yeah. because we think he's just the good shepherd. No, 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 no. He's the good shepherd, absolutely, but he's also the warrior king. And yeah. so for us to think that God, you know, wouldn't do this. I mean, look at Second Chronicles 7.13. We know 7.14. 7.14 says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear them from heaven and I will heal, heal their land. But 2 Chronicles 7.13 says this. It says, when I send the plague. When I send the disaster and the calamity upon your land, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. So it's the Lord sending it and he's doing it because he doesn't ultimately, he doesn't want us to walk into the final judgment of his wrath, which would be ultimate condemnation to the the lake of fire. That's the thing. The Lord is trying to wake us up. If he needs to judge us now as a nation then to get us to turn back to him. And that causes, if he has to send a riot or a plague or a COVID virus or whatever it might be, he's going to do it. Now that means sometimes God sends it. And it means sometimes God doesn't send it. I'm not saying that all circumstances are God breathed, but I will say God does do that to get our attention at times throughout history.
4: And it's, and it's, and I would say, you know, it comes back to uh, Jeffrey, you use the word judgment as a parent. Um, I would not say it's my wrathful judgment against my kids when they do wrong. It's corrective action. Everything is to get them to repent, to turn from their wicked ways, right? And it's painful and it sucks, but ultimately there's love in it. And in, in the Bible even says that, that we as sons hate our father's discipline when we're young. But when we're old, we can look back and thank God for it because we recognize that it's love. And so I I would just say it's, you know, if if there are things that God does to say, hey, America, if you think I'm not going to, uh, I'm just going to let you persist in your wickedness. I actually love you with an everlasting love. That's the cool thing about all the prophets. If you, they, they speak this term and, and love, but it's often, it's often after they say all the terrible things that are going to happen. It's more towards the end of the book in most cases where it says, but these things don't have to happen to you. If you will repent, if you, you know, if, if you come back to me. I mean, we see, we, if we simply started from a biblical perspective, Would we have racism in our country? I mean, mean, right from the get-go, the Book of Acts is written, and we see that all of us are are made in the image of God, and God has a heart for all the nations. If we really had the mind of Christ, we wouldn't have that wickedness in the world because—and we see that different cultures do have struggles. I mean, the book of Acts shows that there was there were women being left out of the Greek speaking women were left out of the distribution of the food when the when the Hebraic and they had an answer for that. And it was actually what Heidi brought up: representation. In representation. Make sure let's okay, now let's appoint the deacons. Like there's such beauty if we go back to the scriptures and we but right now, guys, the greatest war on Christianity. Is the war on did God really say? Which is where it started at in the in the in the Garden of Eden. If you remember the deception of the serpent, the question to Eve was, did God really say? Now we're doubting everything that the Word of God says. We're doubting whether even the Word of God is the Word of God. Or, or can it be trusted? Or it's been rewritten so many times that can't possibly be accurate. Bull crap, right? Don't understand. Don't understand the Dead Sea Scrolls. Don't understand how the Bible was copied. And people, because they now doubt whether God has said, we're in a world of confusion. But that's exactly what God said was going to happen. If you don't stick to me, you're going to be confused and you're going to be broken, and that's going to be. Me letting the consequences of sin hit you in the face. Why? To turn us back. You know, and I, there's even a place in first Corinthians chapter five where there's a man who's sleeping with his stepmother. And here it is that Paul says, hey, I'm over here. I'm way I'm not even with you, but I can judge this and see clearly you guys don't even have the judgment to cast this pimple out of the church. Get that guy out and turn his soul over to Satan so that in the end he might be saved. God actually literally allows us to be turned over to the enemy in our stupidity. Hopefully so that just like Luke chapter 15, where the young man is in the pig pen, and he thought about his father, and he came to his senses, and he came home, and the father ran out to greet him. That's what God wants. You know, I, that's what God wants. God wants.
0: Awesome. Awesome. We're running out of time because Micah's got to go to another podcast. But, uh, man, I, I I got a lot of things that I uh, I wanted to ask and I wanted to uh, ask you guys about, you know, regarding abortion um, and and uh, where you guys stand with that and, and kind of share where I stand with it. So I want to wrap this up and I appreciate the conversation. I think that there is a lot of growth. There's a lot of understanding. Um, there's still a lot of questions. Sure. Right. Um, so I'd love, I'd love to to get you guys back on soon. Um, I do want to say uh, with, with, with this, there's something that Micah, you, you even said it in your bio. And, and I just want to touch on that real quick um because i think it 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 kind of it's kind of an overarching theme uh regarding with with some of the things you guys have been saying and and um because i notice a lot um which rightfully so it's it's the, it's the it, this is america right so we're talking we're emphasizing a lot on the founding fathers on the good and the truth that it uh that it that it, that the country was founded on um i think uh, i'm a little concerned with with the 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 lack of mentioning of of our wrongs and maybe it's because of just the 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 question in itself right that you guys are responding to but we could get to that but i wanted to ask micah because you said in your bio and i and and the the little uh thing that i asked you to send me um let me see uh uh, where is it where is it i want to get this right micah Is it yes, here it is. So Micah has a strong desire to see the United States return to its roots of biblical foundations and godly governance. Um and so and this is a thought, this isn't this isn't just this isn't questioning your 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 stance on this. Um I I don't want to go back to I don't want to return to any of the past of the US. I would even say I don't wanna, I don't want to return to 2019 uh pre-COVID. I'm I'm excited to see what God's going to do in the future. I'm I'm excited for what God wants to do for the new things that God wants to do whether with Biden, whether with a Democrat or a Republican. I'm telling you, let me let me make this clear for our listeners over there. Because I know some of y'all might think, oh, oh, uh, it's it's like a left versus right thing. No, like I'm to be honest with you, I settled for Biden. OK, just as 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 some uh, settled for Trump when when it was Trump and Hil- and Hillary. A lot of people settled for Trump this time because they didn't want to see Biden in office. Right. A lot of Republicans settled for Biden because they were over Trump. Um, so and and. Again, there's there's a lot that we could talk about. I I'd, I'd love to share it at some point the reason why I I I didn't vote for Trump and the reason why I voted for Biden. But I want to make it clear, I'm not a Democrat and I'm not a Republican. I may actually lean a a lot a lot more conservative than people might think, you know, because of my 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 biblical my Christian background, right? So but I but what I'm trying to say is I don't want us to miss this people. I don't want us to miss what God is trying to do because, um, I feel like a lot of this, of, of of this passion that I'm seeing from a lot of Christians right now, um, with fighting for Trump, uh, with, uh, with saying, you know, we make America great again with, um, with saying we want to return, you know, to, 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 to those days and, and all that. I think, I, I I'm almost equating it and I may be wrong with this. So, 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 you know, but I'm just pondering on this thought that it reminds me of when, when the Jewish people, when, when these religious people missed the savior, because they wanted to go back to, to having that earthly ruler to come save them and take them, you know, and save them from, from the Roman uh uh empire. So I, that that was something that, that was very that, that I've been pondering on all week since last week that I don't want us to miss what God is getting ready to do. We have our savior already. Right. So we're not we're not waiting for that savior to come. I mean, we are right. We're waiting for that second coming, but we know who that savior is. But I do think that he is getting ready to do something new. And and I'm actually I'm, I'm be honest with you. I am happy. I am so glad that Trump is out of office because I think that Biden being in office is going to force a lot of Christians to stop the 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 whole uh this debating and a lot of us even even myself the the whole debating on social media and all of that and get to work because I think a lot of I mentioned this I mentioned I mentioned this to Micah. I think even with with the whole abortion thing, yes, Yes, policy, you know, may may help and, and probably will help in a lot. But I think the real work, if you if you go and talk to these women, right, a lot of the work has to be done in the streets, in the communities. Right. And and help them because there's there's a bigger root. There's something rooted there. Abortion, as terrible as it is, is a symptom of a bigger disease of a bigger problem in this nation. And we have to address that. And I think I think policy, if policy is our first priority, it is putting a bandaid to an open wound. But if we start working on that wound first, that bandaid will will help that wound heal. But we need to start putting in the work. So I just wanted to share that and I want to let I want to I want to give you guys an opportunity to say some last comments regarding what I just said, and then we're going to close it off, uh, and we're going to close it off in prayer. Um, and and hopefully we can have another conversation soon because um, there's a lot there's a lot more to discuss. I'm I'm kind of I'm sorry because I kind of let this conversation go a little bit too uh, into the political side, and I really wanted to touch on our response as Christians. So uh, either way, uh, last comments. Okay.
5: Larry, I just want to say, I I think you did a great job uh, with this podcast. I don't think it, I mean, politics, Christianity should, and the gospel should infuse into every aspect of our world. And that includes politics. I mean, you, I think this was totally rooted in in biblical truth and, and godliness because You know, for people, for Christians who say that, you know, we shouldn't have anything to do with politics. They don't know Jesus. Jesus is the governing arm of the Trinity. I mean, Isaiah 9, 6 says, and the government will be on his shoulders. I mean, he's the whole, the whole purpose of Jesus is to govern. I mean, that's, he will be the governing arm. He's all about policy. He's all about politics. So, so to have this conversation and I mean, to say we got off too, too much in the weeds in politics. No, I think we just, we're going down a path. It'd be like talking about, Hey, how do we have godliness in our businesses or godliness in our families? Or godliness in our schools, or godliness in our churches. It's just another aspect of life that we have to we have to address. So I think you did a great job in, in that. And and the other thing I just want to hit on is returning to biblical foundations. And I and I hear what you're saying. You don't want to go back because of the, the racial injustice and slavery and and just the the segregation and things like that. Well, let me ask a question: Is is that would you say slavery and racial injustice is a biblical foundation? I think you would probably say, no, it's not at all. I'm not saying return to that. I'm saying return to what the founder set up to to be true. And that's that godliness and governance is a good thing. And that will look different going forward. Absolutely. Like God's doing a new thing. He's not, he's not saying go back and do the old thing. He's saying do a new thing, but it needs to be returned, returning to the principles of godliness, returning to the principles that the Bible lays out, because when that happens, Every single person, white, brown, black, red, man, woman, child, every single person in our nation will be better for it. And that includes people who don't even worship the Lord. That includes people who have a different ideology of worship. I don't want, I'm not, from a political standpoint, I'm not advocating for everyone to be a Christian. Now, from a pastor's perspective, I'll say I think that's absolutely the route you should take. But from a political perspective, I'm just saying I know godliness brings freedom. And Galatians 5.1 says it best. It says, for the sake of freedom, set Jesus set us free, right? For the sake of freedom. Jesus Freedom was that important to the Lord that he set us free. And if it's that important to the Lord, and he knew people were going to walk away. He knew that I am going to set you free. And that means there are going to be some of you that I love that will totally reject me, that will spit in my face, and that will that will walk themselves right into hell. And it's going to break his heart. But yet for the sake of freedom and how important freedom was, he set us free. America needs to follow that model. And if we get a, if we get away from the gospel, then that freedom's gonna go away with it. And that's not a good thing for any of us. So that's what I mean when I say, hey, we need to return to biblical foundations um, that we were founded on. So but I appreciate you, Larry. Thank you for this time. It's been an honor to be here and and love you, brother.
0: Likewise, likewise. Love you too, man.
4: Hey, I I uh that's I want to just say- First off, just thank you for the opportunity to be able to be here and allow, allow the Bible to be done, you know, sharpening each other. And, um, you know, in my family, when I was a kid, uh, I grew up in a pastor's home and my mom and dad were both Bible Institute, uh, teachers. So every time we sat down for dinner, we argued the word of God. And, uh, one of the things it does is just, it, 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 it really helps you to, to refine your argument right? We all have holes in our arguments and we all have perspective that we don't see. So, unless we have a place where we do have um, a tolerance to at least listen to the other side, right? And when when we were talking about freedom of religion and Jeffrey had asked about, you know, how do I see freedom of religion playing out? And I said, well, what I believe it really meant in the beginning, I'm not trying to take anyone's freedom to be a Muslim or freedom to, um, to, to, to be a Sikh or whatever. I'm not trying to take any of that away, right? I think that when Christians live with godly charity towards people who are unbelievers and they're, you know, some, some people, you know, the Bible talks about how we treat the foreigner, right? How do we treat the foreigner? When we treat the foreigner with justice and grace and mercy, while they live amongst us, may they see the God that we believe in. That's what I hope. I don't want Muslims to stay Muslims. I want them to become Christians. That's why I'm a preacher of the gospel, right? I want every nation of the world, the Bible says, you know, that this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all, all the nations, and then the end will come. If that, that's got to be about what we're doing, you know? So while, while I, I, I want freedom of religion to be a staple of America— I want people to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, who's the only way to get to God. And everything else is just not true. And so, um, you know, when we're talking about our foundations, as Micah said, I would say this, I, I want the word of God to once again be the foundation of our country. It was at one time, we've lost that. Our people are illiterate, biblically illiterate. They do not know the word. And where there there is no vision, which is the scripture gives us a vision of what God wants for us. And that is policy. And that's where we get our word politics, right? We're only talking about the policies, the ways of the Lord. When we are faithful to our wives and and we stay in our homes and raise our children, those are policies of the Lord and they lead to life. And they lead to sons and daughters who know who they are and they have the good identity. That's what I want to see. And, you know, you're right. Whoever said it, I can't remember who it was that said it, but the uh, Band-Aid, you know, abortion, dealing with the abortion issue alone is is like putting a Band-Aid on it. Well, I think that there's a real truth in what you're saying. But can I say this? If people don't know how to have sex rightly and where sex fits in our life, and we can't preach that that people ought not to be sleeping with one another before they're married. And when we have policy that actually um, promotes people having sex outside of wedlock and not and 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 shacking up rather than marrying one another, when we have policy that supports brokenness, that's policy that ought to change. You know, I my my wife and I at one time we were young youth pastors. It's 21 years ago in the city of Indianapolis. And, and, and we got pregnant with our son and um, we had, we, we didn't make enough money to, you know, to be able to do this. We didn't have the health insurance to be able to do it. And so we qualified for a program and that program uh, was called Hoosier Healthwise, And it would pay for that entire pregnancy and um, if we made under a certain amount of money, and so we went in to show that we did make under a certain amount of money. The only problem was is that we were married. And because we were married, we did not qualify for that program. if i'd have if I'd have gotten her pregnant out of wedlock and I would have lived somewhere else, that money would have been available for us. But because we did it according to the word of God, we punish those who do something correctly and reward someone who did something wrong. And see, there's where we got to go. Yeah. How do we incentivize right living so that there is less abortion in the world? What could we do? Let's get back to God's word. Because by, by doing another thing wrong, like killing a child, that doesn't that only perpetuates the sin greater and greater. And when we don't have any care for the unborn, well, then, then, then we start living in a world of who really matters in this world. Does the black man matter? Does the Latino matter? Does this person who speaks this language matter? But if we can't get it right on the very beginning, that all life is valuable to the Lord, and all of us are created in the image of God, then of course we'll shoot each other. Of course we won't care about one another because we've abandoned truth from the very beginning
0: right right that's that's good and and i I agree with what what you just said, I agree a hundred percent with that, you know, and that is why once again, that is why once again i i think I think the church has to go all out in these things and and I think the last four years specifically and maybe even longer, but from what I remember, and it's maybe because i that's when I started paying more close attention. But the last four years I've seen the church be more invested in debating on who's right and who's wrong on what uh leader is the right one or which one isn't. And I know those things are important. I'm not saying they're not, but what you just said, that's the work that should take priority should take our energy, our investment earlier you said, and I'm gonna wrap it up with this. Um, You mentioned how a lot of these these places uh, that uh, help women get abortions are intentionally put in these places, in these areas um, where there's there are minorities and all that. And and my question is not to not just to you, but in general, to the Christian community, what are we doing? Are we. Are we just speaking out against these places and against these policies? Or are we or are we stepping in and stepping right next to those buildings and right next to those locations and offering a better solution and offering a better place? I was listening to Pastor Stephen Furtick today and he mentioned that he mentioned the fact that uh, he he said, I wish that we would be that when we we saw someone struggling with addiction we we didn't immediately judge them but instead we would try to f- figure out what need what need are they trying to meet what is it th- what's that need they're trying to meet and once we know that then instead of fighting against that addiction we try to offer a different solution grounded on on our faith on, on Jesus. And I think we're not, we're not doing that. Well, we're not doing that well regarding a lot of these policies. And, and I think that that is the work that we need to do. We need to, um, Isaiah says this, that, and I'm paraphrasing here that we need to put our, our, our swords down and, and, and use them as plowshares. And I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but that's, that's, that's what it says. I was reading it this week. Yeah, but Larry, what,
4: if I could just stop you one second, Larry, yeah. that is, that is a scripture that in its context has to do with when Jesus returns to earth. And that verse that you're quoting is actually yeah. from the UN building. But if we think we can do that on this side of Jesus return, we can't, he's the Prince of peace. That's going to make that verse a reality. I, I
0: think, I think, I feel like we're called to, 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 to to do the work, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. I know he's going to fulfill it. I know he's going to fulfill it. But I think I think that doesn't take away from the responsibility of us having to start the work now within Mm -hmm. that. And and I'm not saying put your sword down and not protect the nation. Right. I'm not talking about the military here. I'm talking about put your sword down when it comes to trying to defend your 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 uh, political stance on stuff, your political opinions, your political ideologies. Right. Which, again, I'm not saying that's a bad thing to stand up for. I'm saying we're putting too much energy on that and not just the Republican side. I'm talking about both sides and different sides. Uh, We're doing that too much. And I do think that I do strongly believe that that is what God is asking us to do. And I believe that now that Biden is going to be president, I believe that we're going to see that more because Christians are going to be like, well, it's over. Uh, as far as, as far as with the whole Trump thing, defending Trump thing, and we're going to move on and move forward into doing what matters and it's the kingdom work. So, uh, that's the last thing I wanted to say. And I don't know if Jeff was, you're going to say something, Jeff.
2: Oh, just that that's one inter like, um, uh, pastor Nathan was pointing out that's one interpretation that, that it'll happen when, when Jesus comes. Um, and I, I think it it doesn't keep us from, it shouldn't keep us from doing the work now. Um, And my my greatest example is even now that we're on this weekend and this date is Dr. Martin Luther King. Um, For me, he, he embodies the, the, what it means to live out Isaiah too. He had his eyes and his hands set on the work in front of him, but he knew that his hope came from God and that ultimately God would provide all justice. But, we're moving towards that and that is moving towards us and it and it shouldn't keep us from doing the work. Um, it should actually propel us. It should encourage us. It should fuel us to, to, to do the work of, of justice. And and I think it's just significant that, that it says that all nations will come to, to the mountain of God, right? And, and they will learn from God and they will throw their swords into plowshares, meaning, meaning their swords are going to be completely destroyed with no need for them. And you do with that, what you will, you interpret it, you interpret that how you will, but right. um, it, it's, it's pretty significant that, that, that it's, it's the followers and those who are coming to learn from God that are cast throwing away their swords.
4: Well, it's guys. I, 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 uh, I want to tell you, I mean, you go back and look at the context of that verse. It's when the Prince of peace is here. Um, and I'm I, I want justice in the world, I want peace in the world, I, I want all those things. I just want you to know it also says we won't have healthcare problems anymore during those days because you'll go to the mountain of God and be healed, because he'll be presently with us at that time. But but we do need to understand the context of, of that is 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 that that's how badly we need Jesus to come. When Jesus comes though, he's gonna be He's, he's going to come with his robe dipped in blood. He's going to come with faithful and true written on his hip. And a sword of, of, of his word is going to come out of the mouth. It's going to lay the nations low. And then those who did not want him to be king, he's going to say, bring them here and slay them before me. And that's going to mess with a lot of people who don't see Jesus as that way. But that's what the word of God says is going to happen. There's going to be blood to the horse's bridle. There's a lot of things where I think we would say, peace, peace, peace. When he comes again, Armageddon happens. So, so we need to realize, yeah, we have work to do to show the love of Christ, the, the hands and feet of Jesus. I do not disagree. But we do need to be looking forward with our eyes on the prophetic words of God and what God is doing amongst the nations. Because not everything is as we see. Once again, we see through glass darkly. Yeah. But then we will see face to face. We we're a little sometimes we think we know too much and, you know, so much. And we're going to be really yeah. humbled with a lot of the things that we're going to see and try to explain.
0: Right. And 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 again, I, I think you're what you're saying is true. And I think that one doesn't have to be separate from the other. Like, I think we are expectant and we're hoping and, you know, we're saying Jesus come, you know, but. There's still work to do. We are still called to do the work. So I think it is Amen. it is not one or the other. It is both. You know, so so and,
4: and you know, for Micah and I, like church, hey, what you guys are doing in order to love to love the Lord and to and to speak life into the people in LA, good for you, man. We'll be praying for you. We're Appreciate we're doing you. it Likewise. too. We're doing it too, and you know whether you're setting women free in India from slavery, or you're helping some homeless person to be able to understand, you know God's love for him. You know the gospel is what fuels us, and 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 the people are right before us, so we need to do all we can.
0: Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. Thank you, Michael. Hey,
5: Larry. Uh I I've got to go. I've got another podcast interview yeah. I gotta jump on to. Actually, this is like day of podcast for me. I um but can I would you mind if I pray for Please. us? Would that be I was okay? gonna
0: ask you if you could pray for us.
5: Okay, cool. I'd love to. I'd love to. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. We we just come before you in the mighty name of Jesus right now. We just say thank you for what you're doing here. Thank you that your church, God, is growing and your church is, is proclaiming truth. Uh, your church is being the hands and feet of Jesus and your church is, uh, is, not, is not bowing down to fear, Lord. And I just thank you for our brothers and sisters here who are on this uh, uh, podcast today, Lord, that you would just bless them. Would you protect them and give them great anointing and favor, God, to do the work of the gospel, wherever you plant them, Lord. And Lord, I ask that more than anything, Lord, we we glorify you and point people to your name. And would you just instill in us, Lord, a mighty fear of God? Would you bring back, bring us back to, to knowing who you are, the full nature of you, as we know you as the shepherd, but also, Lord, as the mighty king. And Lord, let us understand uh, just how awesome you really are, Lord, as we walk through this. Life. I, I truly believe that will change us and it will change our nation. And God, we pray for our nation. We pray for our community in our nations we know the only the only thing that's going to save us is you and so god would your goodness just flood our streets from la to new york and everywhere in between god and because if we have you then we have everything but if we don't have you then we have nothing and so lord we just uh we just pray that now in the mighty name of jesus we love you uh and and thank you so much for what you're doing amen amen amen
0: thanks
5: guys